Welcome to Savvy Savvy's podcast on Colin. This is episode 124, third-party discussion. Let's chat about the addition of Peter Dow for Wes's campaign and the emergence of PSL run for 2024. Let's go ahead and dive in. Um, no need to make you guys wait. Let me go ahead and uh, make sure I invite Eric up here as a speaker. And let's go ahead and start with Ashura. You are early on the mic. What's up? Hey. Hey, how are you, Ashura? I'm doing good. Uh, thank you for <laughs> thank you for cleansing me of my sadness on Friday with that uh, Brian and Joy Gray clip. I had to quickly watch the full video, and I'm like, bro. <laughs> I was, was funny, like, huh? Yeah, it was funny. I I was in the chat. I was like, they they should they should have invited invited you as a chaperone for Bree, so it could be a two on two debate. But then I realized you didn't really need to be there because Crystal was well. You know that picture with Mahatma Ali when he she knocks that the opponent into the ground. It's that epic picture. Muhammad, yeah, yeah, Muhammad Ali basically just knocking. That was Crystal to the ground. And then <laughs> turned to Kyle. You had Bree was using both fists on him, and she he got creeded. <laughs> that was man. That was a crazy uh, discussion. Yeah, I didn't understand why it was two against one, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it was funny. Yeah, Crystal the got NLRB, Muhammad Ali. Ashura, the NLRB. Yeah, it's, it's like what the fuck are they? Why are they, are they now concerned about unions? We don't know Crystal don't, don't don't give a fuck about unions, nor do Kyle. You don't see them in, uh, in protests on the streets. They're comfortable in their studios. And Bree bodied them both. There's a point where <laughs> Bree, Bree almost calls out Crystal Ball. Call, almost. There's a point you said, that, well, it's not like basically you want an MSNBC contract. And she's like, she stopped herself right there. I'm not <laughs> no, keep going. Keep going. You know you want to you, you say it to her face. Keep going. End the friendship right there. And the friendship that the, the the mother and the child. I know you basically called. You said, uh, "What is wrong with you guys? Why are you saying that uh, she's she's his mom?" Oh come on, just look at him in in that in, in that debate. He was a complete child. I was waiting for Crystal Ball to say, "Get out the room, Kyle. Your adults are talking." Like he was unsufferable. He made Crystal Ball look sane with all the bullshit she was saying, and he looked like a lunatic. <laughs> yeah, he he seemed like he had a little too much caffeine. I don't know what the fuck she she she, she was giving him. Maybe she was nursing him with with, with some milk. <laughs> you know, some dudes like that little what they call that play that mama's play. Maybe he was. <laughs> what? <laughs> you ever heard of the mama's play? I've heard. Okay, so Crystal must do that to him. I mean, Notori likes to say, well, he, he's getting pegged. I was like, me and Notori should have been in that room. We just bust in. We just rip Kyle out of there. We, I, I yank Kyle off, off the window by a leg. Notori could do <laughs> with him. And uh, <laughs> it was funny. Well, I don't, I, I don't get into, like, people's personal, like, ish. My whole thing is is the policies and the change up because my thing is is like it's obvious obvious like the change that has happened 
And the thing is, is that, yeah, they've covered like unions and strikes and stuff like that um, on breaking points. But again, like I said, to the detriment of what? It's to push you back into the Democratic Party. That's what they're using as their talking point. That's why Ryan Grimm is there. Even though I don't see him there, that's why he's there. They just want to say they're pro-union, blah, blah, blah. But really, they don't even push anybody to go to the unions. I don't even see them on the ground. They're never on the ground, no. Yeah, least, it, I've, it, never, I've never seen them at any of these actions, and I've gone to actions in D.C., and I've never seen them. And, and the amount of bullshit defense for for uh, 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 Joe Biden, I'm like, bro, there's a point where Kyle, uh, Kyle was so talking down to, to, to Brianna Joy Gray, I think she wanted to slap him right there. Yeah, see, that's why I wouldn't be invited, because I... <laughs> I actually would have said, like, don't talk down to me. Yeah, it was like, he was being so fucking condescending. There's a point he even, he even admits he wanted Joe Biden to win because the, the Trump derangement syndrome finally kicked in. He's yeah, like, all, all these, it's, it's not just because of that, Ashura. Like, we got to acknowledge, like, the elephant in the room. It's not just because of that, it's because of money. There's more money on that side of the internet. And it's it's true. Just look at people like David Pakman. Yeah, and, and and he put it on his show, and I saw all his uh, all his simps were in the chat, and they were saying, "Oh, he bodied, he bodied, uh, he bodied Brianna Joy Gray." I'm like, no, she she handled him like with finesse and class. Some of the things that he said wasn't even true, like the yeah, thing about was- the student the student loan debt, like that wasn't even true. Well, the entire thing was a lie, Sabrina. Everything they said was a lie. But his, but some of the people in his audience obviously aren't looking up these things for themselves. That's well, the problem. Well, when the Ukraine war started, I, I told one of those clown fucking com- uh, commentators that uh, Kyle said that uh, uh, Putin wants he wanted Ukraine back. He wanted the USSR back. I'm like, how the fuck are they gonna get the? U- He's gonna get USSR back with all these countries have already broken up and become the, all these places have already broken up, become their own countries, and they're in part of NATO. How's he gonna fucking get the USSR back with NATO basically basically pointing their guns at him? Well, one thing I will say, even when I used to watch secular talk, foreign policy, that was not Kyle's forte. Just just FYI. That was not something he was strong with. Yeah. Just FYI. So <laughs> Yeah, when it comes to tonight, the Peter Dow thing, I had to learn that. Well, funny story. When you said on Friday that you uh, you quit Twitter, I didn't know you quit Twitter, but then I saw you came back. So I'm like, oh, again, Sabrina doesn't respect her words. She came back. She said she was done. <laughs> she came back. Well, I had to because of the fundraisers. That's the thing. Like that's oh, where okay. I get a lot of the. That is where we get a lot of the donations from for like those community the community but, events. So that's yeah. the thing, and then. You know, I'm also part of RBN too, so there's that. But yeah, but that that day that I was off of Twitter was amazing. It was awesome. Because <laughs> uh, people got so much hate for CJ after that when he made that tweet that he is. I think he said he's <clears throat> either he said he's he's gonna be with the movement, but he's not gonna be with the campaign. Something around those lines. I forgot what he, how he phrased it. But people got mad at him. They they went after him. They went after the group RBN all at one as if, like, basically RBN doesn't have, like, certain disagreements with each other, even though they have common causes between between you guys. 
I'm like, what the hell? We all are individuals. Yeah. You know, we have different opinions about different things and CJ has a right to his opinion. I mean, if that's, that's how he feels. He has a right to that. But I think that, um, I think people need to realize that is like, we are a network, but we do have, we are individuals. We do have different opinions. For example, everybody, I think everybody pretty much knows this and knows Rome. Rome is a hundred percent against voting period. 100%. I didn't know that. I I know Nick likes to say he's a full blown communist. He is more communist, more left than anybody on RBN. Yeah, 100% against it. And he's talked about this a couple of times on RBN before. Like, that's just not his thing. He likes to focus on what he can do, like, on the ground for people in the community. He just doesn't, he doesn't like, and he he was a part of Bernie Sanders' campaign. He did volunteer. He was in a Bernie Sanders ad. I don't know if everybody remembers that. But yeah, he he actually worked with a lot of this stuff. So he had a lot of, you know, disappointments come off after that, as did a lot of people. And I think that's what people have to remember is like, we're all individuals. Uh, Like you said tonight, since Cornel West is kind of like a, I would say a refresher or or maybe a rebirth of the the Bernie movement. You were right when you said you you don't have room for mistakes. No, you don't. And, And that guy was jumping ship after ship after ship. And then he hears now he turned green in 2020. But then wasn't he attacking, uh, I don't know if he was He was attacking Bernie in 2020, but I do feel the funny that you were just on Marianne's camp and you jumped on Cornell's camp, but Marianne is like a pro-Israel Zionist who is giving you doublespeak that we, she cares about the Palestinians and blah, 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 but basically she's okay with Israel basically bombing them to death. But this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy was on well, the team. What? That's no different from Dennis Kucinich being RFK Jr.'s campaign manager and RFK Jr. is a Zionist. Yeah, Dennis Kucinich isn't. Yeah, I agree. Plus, you have this guy. I heard like he was part of the IDF when he was younger and that he uh, he participated in some war that was going... Um, uh, it was, I don't know if it was Libya. They, they said it was some kind of country. He was there. He participated in it. So I'm like, why yeah, is Cornel West... Talking- He's talked about that before. So I'm like, why does Cornel West have a, you know, a guy who's a, I would technically put him under war criminal status. That was a long, that was a long time ago. I think this is the thing. I mean, hell, there's things that I didn't always have the same positions that I have now. You know, that was, that was a long time ago. I I believe, if I remember correctly, I think Peter's from Lebanon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that might've been... Yeah, I think that might have been where he was like maybe 17 or 18. I think this was a long time ago. I have to go back and check the dates. But that was a long time ago. I mean, I have just like I have friends and family members that were a part of the military. Would they join again today knowing what they know now? No. But, but have you ever apologized for it? I don't know. I, I don't know this guy like that. I just, <laughs> I just know like... Some of the things that, you know, I've read about him. I remember him from the Hillary Clinton campaign. I remember him, you know, uh, in, in 2020. Um, but I'm I'm pretty sure he probably had. I mean, I know he's been very he's been very vocal about how war is today. I mean, I, I don't know what happened, everything that happened back then. But I do know that it seems like because I'm thinking about some of my own experiences and it seems like. 
it's just become to the point now where it's like, you have to be so pure. You couldn't have done this 10 years ago. You couldn't have done this 15 years ago. And for the same people who will, like I said, I know people who were in the military, like they're anti-war now, just like that group veterans for peace. So are we going to shun it? Like, that's the thing. And I think that, yes, people can grow and people can change. I don't know. Like Afeni um, actually does know him. And um, that's the reason I say I said that, because most people, they go fight in the name of Israel. They tend to agree with the Zionist bullshit excuse. Right. But 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 a lot of people have been in that that space, though, Ashura. Again, like it was just two years ago, I thought two state solution was a good idea. I know people that did think they were doing the right thing when it came to, you know, approving like what Israel was doing. There, there are a lot of people that have been indoctrinated, especially the people that grew up in it. Right. One of my friends, a friend of mine for the longest time, like we had a big argument about this last year, thought that Israel was doing the right thing and thought they were on the right side of, of history and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until like, I started to break things down for her so she can hear the Palestinian perspective because she hadn't even heard like their perspective. This is what was taught to her by her family, you know, by her parents. And that's what was taught to her parents from her grandparents. So I think the thing is, is like we all come from different things and we can't. There are certain things I think, yes, we can definitely hold each other accountable for. But the way that people were raised and the things that they did, especially when they were children, even like early 20s, I would say, because a lot of people don't know the fuck they do in their early 20s either. I think we need to we need to be careful about being too much of a purist where it's like, because honestly, some of the things that people say on Twitter, hell, that would exclude me. Mm. I mean, that's the thing. How far we how far do people how far are we going to go? So how what would you suggest to Cornel West as a way to. (laughs) you know, stop the bleeding, I would say. Would you demote him, put him on some kind of uh, uh, maybe an assistant or something, give it to somebody else? It seems like that, it reminds me of Jeff Weaver. Right, And but, but see, even back then, people were willing to give Jeff Weaver a pass. Because I remember all that controversy with Jeff Weaver. People were still willing to give a pass, and I think people are willing to do this today. So I think that I mean, if it were me, I would not have chosen Peter, but that's me. It's not my campaign. What I recommended was for Peter to have this conversation with people. It it looks like someone tagged me in this um, on Twitter. It looks like he's willing to do that, that he's willing to, to go into shows and have that conversation. So I think that's a good thing. But, you know, my thing is, is that you have some explaining to do, man. And not even just about the Hillary shit. I'm talking about the more recent stuff, the more recent things. Like you were just a part of Marianne's campaign. You left that campaign because you said that you had to take care of your ailing parents. You say you didn't. Have to, you say you didn't have time. Yeah, but apparently, apparently you did. Yeah, it's right. And, they, and I don't want to get too too far into people's personal stuff with health and stuff like that. But what I am saying is that because things do happen. But what I'm saying is that. Now you were part of Cornell West campaign and he's running through the Green Party. You were a part of a Democrat campaign. Now you're part of a Green Party campaign. People are right to have reservations and people are right to have this suspicion that you may be trying to infiltrate the Green Party. But that's also why tonight I I did show you guys, don't forget, 
in um, 2020, he did support the Green Party. So I think a lot of people don't remember that. But then, like I said, but then you went from that and then you went to working in Marianne's campaign in the Democratic Party. So what is it? Are you just trying to get paid? Are you just an opportunist? Whatever. Peter got to answer those questions. So I think what would be helpful is for Peter to come on and have and answer those questions for the people. Because the thing is, is like people have a right to be suspicious. But my point is the larger point is this. What are we going to do going forward? Whether it's with Cornell West, whether it's with PSL, whether it's with anybody else running third party independent, it doesn't even have to be centered around a particular candidate. That's the point I was trying to say. We still, if you want to have a third party movement, we need some type of coalition. And that that's the, the point that Bree was bringing up is like, what are we doing? Yeah, uh, on the point, uh, the other point I had to make was the, it seems like the United States is selling all their old stock of weapons to Ukraine. Like they're emptying all the old stocks instead of basically, I don't know, melting them down with some shit. No, it's like, no, we got some uraniums left bullets. We're, we're going to give them to Ukraine. Well, it's all to make the money, right? I mean, you would think that these should have been like, been like fun. I think the point that sure is making is that why are the why are they so old? I was wondering that too. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously there's still some profit in them because they're getting it. <laughs> you know, I mean, they figure out every way to to make that profit. MIC. It'd be funny if they send them tanks from the '90s too <laughs> to go fight Russia. I mean, you could you probably heard what the Russians were doing. They basically are adapting on the ground. They can't basically fly planes. Now they're basically using some form of drone, some kind of reverse engineering to send them basically above the air. I'm like, how the fuck do you compete with the, uh, uh, a nuclear power like Russia that on the ground? Just fucking sign what, what the people in the Donbass wanted. Sign that peace deal and be done with it. Yeah, but it's that same thing that you know Julian Assange said years ago. The, the point of these wars is not to win. You know, the point of these wars is to transfer money from the federal money tree um, to the MIC and their owners, you know, the billionaire class and that small group. That's that's what is one thing I, I would like to see Cornell West say more directly is um, all this stuff is for money and, and for profit. Yeah. <clears throat> also a winning message for a campaign. Yeah, well, I think. I would like to see that more too. And I would also like to see more focus on the policies and not, you know, (laughs) like the policies and the platform. Like I would like to see more focus on that, you know? Yeah, definitely. And one thing I wanted to throw in there, um, they were talking about um, Peter Dow and his military service. So according to Wikipedia, (laughs) um, he was born and raised in Beirut during the Lebanese civil war. He said that at 15, he was conscripted by the Lebanese forces, which was a Christian militia, and underwent three years of military training alongside his schooling. So I think regardless of, I mean, I I don't think it it can be a fair criticism, given if he was conscripted at 15 to say that he fought in in this military. That seems like a stretch. Yeah, I don't know. It's also Wikipedia too, so we gotta keep that in mind. But, but I think. Right, right, but I think this is his. I I think this is what he would say too. I'm sure. Well, 
I don't know, but I, I do know, like, in some countries, like, people have to have to serve in the military. Um, I know some of my students had to do that. They had to do military service. Anything else, Ashura? Yeah, uh, one last thing about Jim Crow Joe. Did you see the video of him? I think it was talking at the uh, India or some shit. And it's how it's how it ended. Where Joe Biden says or something around the speech says he has to go to sleep. Yeah, I'm I saw like, that. What the fuck? And I then saw they, that. then they put a music on, and I was like, "Wait, did someone put a parody music in there?" No, 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 no. It's like, no, it's in there. It's in there basically to get Joe Biden out the fuck away. That's the cue. Let's get Joe Biden away because he's literally he, he's drifting. But that's what they want you to vote for, right? <laughs> I mean, you got Jank Uger saying, oh, pff, no, we got to vote Joe Biden. Uh, forget Cornell West. Oh, these guys are such fucking clowns. They used to be so pro Cornell West now. Well, they're all for you as long as you're playing their game and as long as you're a part of the Democratic Party. The moment you break away, that's when they don't they don't want anything to do with you. They'll smear you just like mainstream media smeared Bernie. Yeah, as soon as you walk away from the plantation, they fucking smear you. Yeah, anyways, I'm going to let uh, other people speak. Thank you, Ashura. Let's bring in Levi. Levi, that is a bear with hands up, I think. What's up? <laughs> How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, I missed today's uh, show, but I just, um, I, wa- I wanted to ask about last show. Uh, last time you all jumped on as a, uh, the whole RBN to discuss the, um, whether we're calling that debate or conversation or argument between uh, Jimmy Dore and, and Cornell West before the Pia Dow stuff. And I was just wondering... Uh, is, three controversies ago, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know. It goes quick. Right? <laughs> um, I had just a quick question about the, um, the I guess, you know, um, class versus socioeconomic status. Quick question about that. Like, how do you see that? Is that a distinction without a difference? Do you see one as meaning the other or? I'm sorry, what did you, you said class versus what? Socioeconomic status. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's different ways of thinking about class. Like if you think about, um, if you think about class in uh, like a Marxist-Leninist way or something, you could say the vanguard has uh, class consciousness and the people of a certain socioeconomic background who are class um, in themselves and are class for themselves because they don't have class consciousness and so you have to lead them toward it and in fact the vanguard has the consciousness but in another way of thinking of it class means something like my version of class that I, why I think of it for class is that you grew up in a certain type of uh, economic bracket in your formative years and uh, you know your educational outlook and the people that you love and everyone around you is coming from that background and so you've got a certain view of the world and then there's the socioeconomic one which is the uh, most Americans tend to think socioeconomically my wife's American so she thinks if you earn more you're no longer in that class and so I'm just saying like what way did you look at it and because I, I feel like uh, the socioeconomic thing is a good way to 
sidestep a lot of the other uh, identity politic um, fractures sure. or potential fractures. But class is very important to me. But I think of it as being like literally who I was as a child, who I love and how I sort of my disposition, even though I've gone on to have education later and uh, maybe, maybe yeah. you know, I'm a teacher now. Yeah. So for those who, so for those who are not aware, so socioeconomic status, that includes like your education as well. Right. So uh, maybe you have uh, a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a PhD, that kind of thing. So that includes that as well. The problem, if you looking at it through the socioeconomic lens, the problem is you can have a lot of education, which depending on how you paid for that education can cause you to have a lot of debt. Yeah, exactly. So, that, so that's the, yeah. So like some of my students, my, my former students that were in the PhD program, like, yeah, by the time they graduated, yeah, they had a PhD, but they also had a lot of debt. So their socioeconomic status may be higher than someone who just had a bachelor's degree, but that person with that bachelor's degree may have less debt. So you, these are the things that we kind of got to think about. So why is that important? Because when it comes to net worth, obviously, if you're trying to buy something, a big purchase like a house, like they're going to look at your credit score, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a lot of debt that can affect your, your credit score. doesn't mean you're not paying on it, but it can still affect that. It's almost like you've so, got to have debt to even get a good credit score, right? You've got to manage your debt. Well, it's, it's like versus someone, if you're just looking at class, like for example, if I had a friend that was a millionaire, so to speak, but they, when looking at socioeconomic status, let's just say they have a bachelor's degree. That's it. They have no debt because they were born into it. So if you were born into a family, for example, that's already has like millionaire status or whatever, then they could afford to pay for your tuition. So you didn't have any student loans. You graduated with that bachelor's degree. And then let's just say your family owns a company. So after you graduated college, you just went and worked for your family's company. So and then you took over as head of the company. So now you're a millionaire as well. So the thing is, is like there's a big difference if you're just looking at someone's class versus looking at socioeconomic status, socioeconomic status doesn't necessarily mean that you have more money. Socioeconomic status can mean that you have more education, but you could also still be struggling financially. Yeah. You could be like an autodidact or something. Even mm-hmm. I suppose, that, I guess you go up in, in social status though by the credentials. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Teach, I just... a, lot of, a lot of teachers, right? At least in Massachusetts, like they want you to have a master's degree. So a lot of teachers here have a master's degree. Some may even have a PhD. So they're higher up on the socioeconomic status. But when it comes to just looking at them as class, they're just barely middle class unless they may have a second income coming in. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, that's the other thing. Where I, am, I guess if in that regard. Um, but yeah, I just wondered about that because I caught most of that conversation and I was and I just figured like we so often um like people don't define the terms and it's like the very basic terms but it you know this identity uh the the clash I, like for at least with um for for uh Jimmy Dore he was going back and forth between like for him, he's like he uses class in one sense, and another cl- another sense he he's like 
using another term and, and he's, so he's shifting around and I just think that that's normal and what a lot of people are doing it's, but when you're sort of discussing it it seems like there's more I'm just saying there's more than one way to like think about it right and so I think the general thrust of what he was trying to get is that you know the messaging in the democratic pie uh, uses weaponizes identity politics or you know seems tries to presents itself as operating in good faith for advancing the rights of everyone who's disenfranchised to some extent based on whatever identity right. category they're in but really they use he's saying you know capital is the thing that divides all of us against each other so that they can conquer they don't really care about those categories although they may socially right they may actually like go to dinner and and say you know like i don't know lgbtq or whatever mm-hmm. they they may very well have friends or be themselves gay or something um right so anyway and, and I, my I get point the, being is a lot the... of slippage well, I, I get that. I totally get like the virtue signaling from the Democratic Party. I think we all like see that that happens. And we you see that they use that sometimes in order to get votes as well. I think the difference is you have to think about where Dr. West comes from. Dr. Yeah, West comes yeah. from an activist background, from the Black Panthers background. He wasn't he wasn't a Black Panther, but he worked with them. Dr. Yeah, West just... has been on the you know the front line on a lot of these issues when it was not popular to do so. He's been arrested multiple times at protests for fighting for black liberation. Like that's where he comes from. Yeah. So it's it's a, it's it's going to be difficult for someone like that to turn that off. Yeah, and, and he works with what's his name? Is it is it Carl Dix or whatever, and the communist? I think he's worked and he's toured with his friend from the um, Yale or whatever. Um, one of those is it George Stevenson or whatever his name is? Yeah, I followed him for like decades, and uh, I totally get it. And in, in in all of those guys, as he walks, he calls everyone brother. I, I totally get that. Um, and I still think that's a the, Christian. That's a Christian thing. My yeah, mom, exactly. like if I go if I go to my mom's church, everybody calls each other that too. Yeah, same here. I, I work at a Muslim school and we go by brother and sister there. Um yeah, I just I get the point of I see that where people are coming from in the arguments on either side. I just think there's a lot of uh, slipping around. Um it, in terms of how people it, it seemed to me like almost willful ignorance on both people's sides if it weren't for them getting unusually heard in the exchange i'd say like jesus it's really easy to like either you're uh you know generally i i, th- I think there's other things going on behind the background which the peer doubt thing and uh jimmy's um still connected to it seems like the people's pie and stuff so there's probably other factors going into their positioning but um what well- I basically, if you, just, if you, I basically I just want to jump in and say, on each other's side. I just want to jump in and say, and then we'll go to Noel. I just want to jump in and say, there are definitely things that have happened in the background that have not been brought to light. Just FYI. Yeah. That's there are definitely feeling. things that have happened in the background. There's, you know, it's, that has nothing to do with that interview. Um, that split from the people's party, you know, kind of stirred up some, some things. Yeah, that's and, kind of uh, what, that was. That makes sense to me. I was going to get that was my intuition. Well, thank you, Sabi. I appreciate it. Um, uh, I I just wanted to yeah throw it out there and see because because revolutionary black news you know, network where you often talking about class and two other people about class and race and then it was just interesting conversation right when people are saying race is class 
You know, it's just there's so many different ways to look at um, each of the categories, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and I always feel like people sort of slip and slide, or at least in that context of that major conversation or debate or argument or whatever it was, it seemed like they were slipping and sliding um, over what what they meant, <laughs> whether it was about messaging or whether it was about uh, putting um, economic class at the centre. It's what... Um, Cornell said right and it was just like I felt like ah oh, what form what are you trying to say if it's social if it's to do with just economics like justice for the least of least if we put it in his uh, religious terms if it's for the widow the orphan and the stranger or whatever it's for the least of these then just yes. take out the socio bit if it's just economic can we look for economic justice does that count for everyone I mean we know that there is no there is no economic justice there is no economic justice without racial justice. Yeah, you I have know. to understand racism, racism is attached to capitalism. So you that's can't have one without the other. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying. If, that's I'm if saying. I can speak just a little bit, Levi, um, the un first of all, class as a construct is not just easily demarcated into hard definitive groups. And it depends upon how the discourse is going. The underpinning of class has to do with money and power. So it, you can best see it and see it most clearly through the extremes. When we talk about the elite, the people at the very top of the economy, where their money and positioning translates to power, that is the hard top of class. And at the hard bottom of class would be, of course, the most disenfranchised and the most economically destitute the um, unhoused populations and things of that. But broadly yeah. construed, class is about money and power. It gets nebulous around the middle because you have subdivisions of class. So if we say the elite um, or the higher upper income is one demarcation, the fundamental demarcation of class, then within that elite grouping, you have issues of culture, education, breeding, access, you know, people. So it's not just clearly defined when we move from the upper echelons to the lower. When you get to the lower echelons, of course, there is the other demarcations that are more socially aligned, like race and you know, income, neighborhood, and things of this nature. But in our estimation in this country, um, in the early designation, race is class because at the bottom of the society, economically and every other way, we're the slaves. And so as mm. we emerge over time, where you have emancipation and slaves were able to move minimally through the social rankings, they were able to achieve certain levels of education, this, that, and a third, but it did not necessarily allow them to escape the vestiges of being black in a white society. And the flip side of that is the poorest and the um, less economically um, prominent white people perceive a connection to other white people without regards to class. So for them, they perceive it as class, which is the root of the white supremacy and why they support people like a Donald Trump, this and that, even though his designation and his participation as class is not going to 
likely allowed him to save or act in their best interest. It is their perception of a connection between race that supersedes class. And so it's a very nuanced conversation. And depending upon what the specific um, parameters of the conversation are, then class begins to take on different dimensions or you're discussing different aspects of class. But the thing that I find most um, prodigious is to always understand that the fundamental underpinning of that entire construct is money and power. And of course, there are black people at this stage in our nation who have accumulated a lot of money and a certain amount of influence, but they still don't escape race. And yeah, so race yeah. still is a, a very prominent dimension of class. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Right, like uh, people like Michael Jordan, Stephen A. Smith, LeBron James, these people still get pulled over by the police. Yeah, what's his name? Louis Gates when he was going through his doorstep and they had to have the beer summit or whatever it was. Even Bill Russell, Bill Russell, you know, rest in peace. Even Bill Russell had to deal with racism here in Boston and he was a freaking celebrity athlete. So that's that's the thing. I mean, it's just you you still have to deal with that. And when we talk about like the universal programs, which of course I support all those programs, we also this was my my pet peeve with Bernie Sanders because you still have to talk about the fact that even when you implement those universal programs and you lift all boats, so to speak, there's still people at the bottom of those boats, and black people yeah. are still at the bottom. When you you give every like healthcare, education, black people are still at the bottom. When he talks about free college and says everybody can go to co public college for free, that was something he wanted to do. Well, to get in some of those colleges, it depends on what zip code you have. And yeah, this is again where, funny, where, where right? the racial I think yeah, the, the argument behind, comes in. Yeah, I think the argument behind that is makes sense to the extent that it makes sense, which is okay, it's really about grievement, aggrievement and resentment. And you're thinking because this white or there'll be resentment in other sectors. So you can when you do the thing that's universal now no one's saying like why are they getting that instead where you know even though as no i'll just you know pointed out the race is baked into the making of the country you know labor and i have to say that labor. it's not it, it's not by the way hi besties um it's not an either but, or and i disagree with this idea that like if we if uh, if uh african americans receive reparations that white people will be upset i i find that to be hysterically false like just uh, by, 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 to just assume that, you know, just as a gay person myself, I know that there are a lot of people who care about gay rights that are not gay. And, you know, that's the whole idea that we are able to have solidarity for each, each other's struggles because they're all connected. They're all connected. Like a lot of people forget that the Stonewall riots were started um, by two trans activists, Marsha P. Johnson. And it wasn't just a fight for identity politics or gay rights. They threw the, the first bricks at Stonewall because it was a fight about police brutality. Yeah. All of our struggles think, are connected. So I when think, someone tells you don't run on gay rights, don't talk about anything but class, economic class, and just yell class. First of all, I live in rural red America. And if you... Nobody gives a shit what the word class means. First of all, you just have to talk like a person. And if you're someone who has an expertise in matters of race, like Dr. West, like that's where I think Jimmy was off. Like just to say, oh, white supremacy is identity politics. No, yeah. it's not. No, it's not. And like, you know, Jimmy also had like this flippant moment when he was like, oh, do they have to be trans for you to care? Like, do they have to be trans? 
Cornell West isn't running on trans rights. He doesn't have a policy. Can anyone name a policy that the Dr. West named about trans issues or where he stands on it? No, it's just that. So we can't be afraid of saying black. We can't be afraid of saying trans. Well, people can name the policies because, again, a lot of people are focusing on, on the policies. That's why when I interviewed him, I talked about I pulled up his website and I showed the policies that he has. Like the very first thing is um what is it dismantling the empire that's the very first thing on the website and that and it it just killed me like i'm like why are we not talking about so so the thing is to me is just like i said i told you guys on the stream i felt it felt personal and i think there is some personal stuff because of the whole like the nick brana thing and yeah. There's been some nasty things from Nick Brana as well. There's there's things that happen on the back end that people are not aware of. And all I'm going to say is, I think, honestly, I think People's Party is done after this. <clears throat> um, because A lot of it's it just... has to do with, do you guys think some of it has to do with RFK and maybe some people hoping that he would run independent or a third, yeah. different third party? Ooh. And I, maybe that's fueling so. some of the competition they feel like they have with um... I, I think i think so but the thing is is this you know are you for the palestinian people's rights or not or you are you for this man because he has the last name kennedy yeah. and because he was right on covid you, you see what i'm saying and, and by the way it wasn't even him first like dr shiva had put that shit out before rfk jr was even rfk jr was for the mandates at first when dr, <laughs> shiva, when dr. shiva was not so this is the kind of thing it's just like you know, and 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 I, and I say this, you know, with all sincerity. But the thing is, is this: someone actually came to me and asked me, "Oh, it looks like RFK Jr. might split. Would you support him?" Motherfucker, no! Didn't you hear what I said the first time? I was supporting no damn Zionists. Period. So you see how that just go out the window? People are like, oh, okay, yeah, I know the Palestinians. Yeah, it sucks, but I'll still support him anyway. No, you cannot leave those people behind. You cannot put those people at the bottom. I'm just going to quote. He just, uh, I love Sabi After Dark. I like that. Someone no cookies or whatever just said. I have to agree. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll get off so you, you can continue. But it is messy, right? It's interesting as well. And uh, it's great having you all here hash it out. Thanks so much. Let's bring in the Tory. I'm going to try to go through these a little bit faster. What's up, the Tory? You just got to unmute. I'm sure you have a lot to say. Uh-oh. Let's see if we can bring in... There you go. Hello. Hello. What's up, Yatori? How you feeling? I'm feeling... <laughs> I'm feeling good. I wanted to talk about um, Peter Ida. I don't trust him. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I heard tonight that um we want to hear his side. I do want to hear his I do want to hear him because to me it's like he fly with the wind blown. He just was what Democrat, then he was progressive, now he's independent. He just left what's her name? Mariana campaign. And how he did her, it seemed like everything he touched, it turns to shit. I heard some things about that too. I heard, and this is just coming from, I'm not naming no names, um, but some of the people, I guess, that were quote unquote volunteering. I heard that apparently 
Marianne did not want to break away from the Democratic Party. That's that's what I heard. Wow. I mean, of course. Yes. Like, of yes. course, like and we could have told we could we did tell people that. Like she's not gonna I, do it. I heard that was I heard that was part of the problem, and I, I heard another part of the problem, um, or part of it was the fact that I guess he was just supposed to be there in the interim or something. This is again, this is coming from people that were were there, but I guess he was just supposed to be interim to set things up and then keep it moving. But from what I heard was that she she did not want to break away from the Democratic Party. So it, it could be, again, we won't know until, um, we won't know unless Peter comes on. And even then there's probably only so much he can say because they all signed NDAs. But it could have been that maybe there was a push to, okay, yes, let's start through the Democratic Party and get the word out so you'll get more of the the press. But you're going to break away. And that could be what the, what the idea was, but I heard or apparently she was not willing to break away from the democratic party. That's what I heard. Yeah. It's just, it's not, to me, it's like, it's not a good look. Cause I do remember him with the Hillary Clinton thing. And yes, that was um years ago, but, I remember, it's like, I know who he is. It's like, and to me, it's not a good, it's so, and it's other people than him. And then to come to find out that Jill, um, she um, like hired him or suggested him. And then it's rumors that um, Nina Turner might be joining. Why the fuck all these Democrats going into an independent campaign, which I know, because like I said before, I already know Donald Trump is going to win 2024. I am all about building a movement. I do hope I want him to win. I will. I wanted him to win, but I already know it was more about a movement building thing. But yet, how many times we have to show, even with Bernie, even when Nina, when I was rooting for her, when she showed who she was, they keep allowing these Democrats to come in and fuck up their campaign. Well, first of all, well, first, two things. First of all, it's a rumor. We don't have, we don't have proof. So that's just, you know, you guys know how I operate. If I don't have receipts, I can't confirm anything. Um, but two, with the other thing about, um, uh, shoot, I forgot. You, you said, Nina, but you said something before that. Darn it, I forgot. Oh, Jill Stein. So... <sighs> What was funny was I found out yesterday morning that Jill Stein was the one that had selected Peter. And I didn't say anything. Again, I'm not doing all this shit on Twitter, but I didn't say anything because I was I was curious Interest. as to why. Yeah, I was curious as, as to why. And no, but you, you use you use the word selected. Do you mean selected or suggested? Suggested. Sorry. Suggested <laughs> Peter. Um, but I didn't say anything on Twitter because again, like I would like to wait to find out more information. <laughs> so, um, but I, I had, I had heard that and then I was like, Hmm, well, I wonder why Jill would have done that. And if that's true, then she will announce it. And she did announce it as you guys saw. Right. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I think, I mean, Jill now I'll say 
you know, I have, you know, I've obviously I've known her longer than Dr. West. I haven't known any of them long, just keeping it real. But Jill seems to be trustworthy to me. Um, but from what I understand, and I have spoken to a volunteer from the campaign, it sounds like to me they are they need people to help. And I don't mean like volunteer, but they need people to do these positions with the campaign, whether it's communications director, that kind of thing. But from what I was told, the the help is not coming from people who are like third party people. That's what I was I was told. It seems like the people who are offering to help are people who were once either a part of the Democratic Party, which to be fair, I was a part of the Democratic Party too. I mean, I changed my registration after Bernie 2020, but I was I also supported the Democratic Party for Bernie. So I think that from what I heard from a volunteer, that is the the issue that they've run into is that they're not getting people to fill these positions like communications director is a big one, obviously, right? Um, uh, they got the campaign manager one, but they're not getting people to fill those positions that are a part of like the Green Party or they're like non-affiliated or that kind of thing. It's people who were a part of the Bernie movement. Those are the ones that seem to be volunteering to or offering to do those jobs. And then the other thing is too, you can't just throw someone into a position. So for the people who said, why not Chris Hedges or Jill Stein? Two things. Chris Hedges doesn't have the bandwidth to do it. He announced that actually on Bree's podcast when she interviewed him like a month or two ago. And plus I knew that as well. Two, Jill Stein can't do it. She did it as for the interim. She can't do it for the long haul because Jill Stein is still dealing with the lawsuits from her 2016 race. And she has to settle those lawsuits. So that's why, because I asked her a while back if she was going to run again, and she said no. She says she can't on the national level because she's still got to deal with all the shit from the lawsuits. So she doesn't have the bandwidth to do it. Two, neither one of those people have managed campaigns. You can't just jump up and be a campaign manager, especially a national campaign. So Chris Hedges was a speechwriter, but there's a difference between being a speechwriter and being a campaign manager. But go ahead, Natori. Yes, I'm going to just tell you this, what some people are feeling. The optics, the look doesn't look great. But I just hope, because everything he touched, like I said, turns to shit. And I just hope <laughs> if... Uh, I just hope that um, if he continue, which I know he's going to still be in the campaign, I hope he don't fuck it up like he fucked everything else. And then I hear, like, I, I'm just going to say the rumors because I feel like she going to come in, but I don't have no real proof either. But I'm just saying. Well, I, did, I did ask him in the last interview if he was considering Nina Turner, at least for a running mate. And he said, no, uh, he said that she don't have she's too busy and doesn't have the the bandwidth as well. So that, I, I don't know if that means that she wouldn't be helping with the campaign. I don't know. But one thing I remember too, like I don't trust Nina either, but cause I remember like Nina spoke at the people's party convention and then, but that, but to be fair, a lot of people like broke away from the people's party because they changed their theme from progressive to a populist me message. And they didn't want to implement some of the racial equality equality elements 
Um, so a lot of people broke away. I do remember that. Yes. Like, yes, it's just, it was just like I woke up. I think it happened at night, but I woke up and saw it. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know what to say. It's like, it's because I once was a Democrat too, but Peter, like, it's like he leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's hard. It's just hard because it's the like, it's just was so recent, you know, like it was just like two months ago. I think like Savvy, like that's why I really agree with you that it's not the, for me, it's not like the stuff from eight years ago or 30 years ago. It's the recent right. stuff. Like, and also like I saw online for guys, uh, for people that don't know, like he, I, so I, I just, out of curiosity, I was like, I wonder how he is on Ukraine, you know, just to see. And in the beginning of the war, Peter Dow was like totally bought it. Like he he would call it like Russia's imperialist war. If you're against imperialism, you should be against Russia. Like the whole, like the literally the AOC shit. So, so I'm really torn. Like I'm like you, like I trust Dr. Stein with my life, <laughs> but I'm really confused. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's enough to say, so should I not vote for a party to get 5% met federal matching funds just because I don't like a campaign manager? I don't think it's there, but it's dampening enthusiasm for a lot of people. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and this is something, like I said before, like Peter has to answer to this stuff. Like, like really, like you did some weird shit. I don't even know if Marianne has said anything on Twitter or not, but this is your thing. Like I'm, I'll keep it real. Peter, this is your thing. Like you, you went from one campaign to another one in two different parties in the same election cycle. You need to answer the people in reference to how you did this shit. Because the thing is, is this, is that it looks suspect. And not only that, but what is the goal? Like it just, so it's it's really weird. And, and one of the things I've noticed too, it seems like the campaign manager doesn't necessarily have to share the same views as the candidate because Dennis Kucinich doesn't share the same views as Israel and Palestine as RFK Jr. does. But a lot of people are willing to give him a pass on that, right? So- Yeah, but to have- I don't know. We'll have to- again, manager, if, if, I mean, that would be kind of crazy. I mean, not that he is pro-war. I think he did change his Ukraine stance. Like, I think he is now against- more funding so he is now on the right side but it's just the switch up that's weird and like i mean yeah i think we we just don't want to see another party infiltrated or like exactly uh, and this is what um this is exactly the message that you know what's funny too like i also noticed like he doesn't even during the marianne campaign he didn't do interviews so I tried to look up to see the last time he even did a media appearance. And the last thing I could find was from three years ago when he won- went on like the Feel the Burn podcast. So he doesn't even really do media like that or hasn't done interviews in a very long time. He's just on Twitter. Um, yeah, so yeah, I hope, but I hope, he, I hope he sits down to, to answer everything. I really... Yeah, but if, if, he, if he comes on, then, you know, he's going to have to understand like... I have a lot of I have a lot of fucking questions and I'm sorry but um I just I I just I have a lot of questions and he needs to be willing to answer this like he should have thought about this 
before like he just left one campaign and just <laughs> like I just like he should have known people were gonna ask questions. So the fact that it seems like he is willing to have this discussion, that's good. Let's let's see what happens there. Just what right. I want to see an interview. I don't know if it will change anything, but I do want to see Roger, what he said. Roger, there's, I'm sorry, Roger, there's, you can't. Okay, sorry, go ahead, Natura, I couldn't hear you. Yes, I do want to see, I don't know if we'll change anything, but I do want to see his point of view and how he will respond to things. And there's one more thing I want to talk about is when people, when we say that um, left is infighting, I hate when people say that because these are people that used to be on the left or progressive or independent, and now they are full on Democrats. Mm. And that's all I wanted to say. Thank you for letting me speak. I, I hear you. I hear you. Thank you so much, Notori. Uh, go ahead, Eric, Roger, then Delthea. I think one thing you're going to hear from from the West campaign, and I think there is some validity to this, is that is that Peter Dow isn't the candidate. He is essentially a, a functionary, I mean, a high-level functionary or employee. And so, I mean, they, they will make, probably make the argument, and there, like I said, there's some validity to it, that the campaign manager's job is not to make policy it, it's to it's to organize the campaign organize ballot access and these kind of functional things now i don't think that's the end all be all but it is i i like i said i think there's some validity to it and i think you'll probably be hearing some of that yeah i think we're going to hear that too go ahead roger and i'll bring in delthea uh, can you hear me yep oh, okay um I mean, uh, Neil, if you if you don't know what to do, I say if you're gonna vote, then let it be just hey, I just want to vote for uh, West just to put a thumb in the eye of the Democrats. You know what I mean? If, if <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but it's kind of like it's kind of of course I'm gonna vote third party. It's it's about more than that. I want to see a left third no. party succeed and not no no no. Of, of course, I'm zone. saying. Because he was sounding depressed, or whatever the case is. So. Oh, <laughs> we're all depressed. We're on the left. I mean, if you're on, if you, you, you know, if you're on the real left and you're not depressed by uh, all nah, the I'm not. I'm, I'm not depressed because, because I said before, stop depending on these people to do for you what we could do for self. Yeah, no, I'm not. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not depending on. No, no, no. I just, I, I, I had hope for that campaign. I mean, but no, I wasn't doing the. Politician standing thing at all whatsoever. No, and I think I think that's why it's good that we're all critical of. I just want to see it succeed. And can I say <laughs> I already I already see this happening with RK Junior uh, supporters after he announced that the DNC changed the rules. I already see the disappointment. Um, they're upset. They're like we're like we're depressed. That kind of thing. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. Again, like I said, like you can't. There is no hero. These people aren't coming to save you. Like you also have to do things within your community. Like you got to help people your own way. Because like I said, these campaigns will eventually go away. And then people usually will just go back to sleep. And we don't want that to happen this time. I want people to stay active on the ground and active within like, their communities. Organize, you know, like whether it's 
trying to do the union thing or whatever, like feeding people, clothing people, like there's so many different things that you can do to help people in your community. And then there's also ballot initiatives, like get these ballot measures going if you live in a BI state to make these changes within your state or within your city. Because it's true, these campaigns will end. And I, I saw it a couple of days ago, everybody on Twitter that supports RFK Jr. was like, oh, I'm so sad, I don't know what to do. And I was like, this is why I tell people not to put your hope all in one person. Anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I was, I've been, I was saying this last year as, as, as well, because I knew it, because I was trying to catch everybody before the, campaigns the 2024 campaign started you know what i mean and because i sometimes like i said you could know something consciously but you you don't know it subconsciously yeah you know what i mean like when when all this happened i was more or less indifferent to it you know what i mean because the 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 mission goes on which is see what we see what we could get done at state and local level i'm i mean i'm you know, like you know, uh, the military, right? Um, how they, how they uh, tear you down to build you back up. Well, yes. I think this, I think this is the tear down moment. You know what I mean? Get people all. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to sound. Uh, I don't know whether the word is sadistic or masochistic, whatever. But I'm not trying to sound like that. But this needs to happen. People need to be depressed because I don't want them looking at the politician. I want them turning and, you know, in times of, 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 of turmoil, you know, we turn to each other, not on each other. Okay. So you, you know, like we have to be like, what can I get done? Well, first of all, the last person you should turn to is the federal government and the president. I mean, I mean, cause by the time something gets down to you, it's like, uh, you know, it's not immediate. Like it does when it comes from the States. You know what I mean? Especially when you have the power to make it come from the states as well. You know what I mean? And I think that's really what needs to happen. Now, going to what uh, I forgot who was speaking before, but going back to um, like this whole the thing. With, no, no, no. It was the guy with the cat, Levi. Um, Levi? <laughs> yeah, praise cat praising the Lord and all that stuff, right? I mean, here, here's the thing. So I understand like uh, Jimmy's and Pasta's point about organizing along class lines. Now, the thing is, this alliance that they want to have that would transcend racial lines where we unite along class lines around workers' issues, I seriously don't see that happening because American freedmen have become single issue voters around the issue of reparations and are not trying to team up with anyone that wants us to support what is important to them, but will not vocally support reparations. However, if he truly believes, when you believe something, you have to sell it, okay? If that is your thing, you gotta sell it. And that means going to where, you know, to go in places to sell it. So if you truly if he truly believes in the saying, meet people where they are at when it comes to getting people on board for you know the universal policies and workers' issues, for you know, for what he thinks is then the question is he has to be willing 
to take that message of forming an alliance along class lines to black people who are living not just under economic duress and distress, but because of class, but also because of race. So just like how the Black Panthers came into rural white communities with that message, Jimmy Possum and, and the rest of them have to be willing to take that same message into the hoods and the projects of America speaking to black people, both American freedmen and otherwise, to convince them to get on board. So you see when he says, hey, that was the Black Panthers message. Okay, the Black Panthers believed in that. So they said, we got to go where the people are at. and We got to go into those white rural communities and say, it's not about race, it's about class, right? If he believes the same thing, he has to be willing to do the exact same thing they, they did by going into communities that he is not a part of and, and, and sell that message. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not on us because we believe, like you said, that it's connected, okay? But if he's saying, well, you need to put that aside and, and, and you know, like we need to go along these universal stuff and, 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 and um, class lines, okay, well, then you got to sell it. It's not up to me to sell it. It's not up to us to sell it. You have, he has to sell it to our community. Just something to think about. That's a very good point, Roger. That's a very good point. Let's bring in Delthea. Miss Delthea, you just have to hit the unmute button. Hope you're still there. Delthea. Delthea, don't stay up late. I don't know. Roger, can you mute for a second? I'm trying to find the tab. Uh oh. Cool. Uh, Maybe that might be what. Let me see if I can invite Delthea as a, a speaker, and let's see if that does it. That could be what um, Delthea is looking for, or maybe Delthea fell asleep. I don't know. Delthea, can you put something in the chat? Maybe she did fall asleep. Oh no! All right, all right, Delthea, I I invited you to speak. Um, Oh, there it is. All right. Okay. All right. Let's bring in Colin. Hello, Colin. Let's see if it's, it was just Delphia. We'll see if it works. Um, If Colin can unmute. Yep. We've had this happen before. Hey, Hello. Hey, Fabby. Hey, how are you? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can relate. Mm -hmm. Um. How can I say this? I mean, I, I well, I'm prepping for uh, my show tomorrow for tomorrow night, and honestly, I'm not feeling it just because this whole Jimmy Dore West interview, and then into this Peter Dow thing, and you know, Jill Stein, you know, recommending it. It's really kind of taking the wind, you know, like, I just feel like people are not going to be interested in what I'm going to be talking about because everyone will continue talking about this, you know, for the uh, next few days. So it's like, it's and it's kind of depressing. Right? <laughs> well, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of depressing even just prepping right now because, like, everyone is just in such, like, it kind of depressed, you know, the last few days. But 
you know, and I think a lot of people have said this already. I think it just needs to be reiterated. And I know, Savvy, you said this a lot. Like, like, guys, like, why are people so, I get it, you know, like with Dr. West, you know, genuinely we respect him as a theologian uh, and a professor. He, we've seen him, we've grown up with him, many of us essentially, but as you say, Savvy, he's not going to save you, like, no, like, for all intents and purposes, he has to act like a politician now. And we have to treat him as such right now. And and I'm just like, I get why people are upset, but it's like, if you're up this upset about what is happening, then you really are not focusing, in my mind, on what you should be doing. And, and, and the stuff that you, I know you guys at RBM mention all the time, does not necessarily include waiting or hoping for any politician to come and save you. And, and I think my frustration is, I think a lot of people know this mentally, but I think it's not in our heart to really push through and really do the work that needs to be done in the community. Because, yeah, it's hard work and you don't, necessarily get the spotlight to do advocacy uh, work like locally like it doesn't get press but it needs to get done and we need people who are willing to do it and I think for me it's just frustrating that even in this instance that like and I will admit like at times even I forget and I'm doing the work but but I think it's something that we have to remind ourselves that this is not the end-all be-all, that this is just a piece of what we should be working towards for the radical change that we seek, but it's not the main course, so to speak. A lot, the majority of the work has to be coming from us. And, but I think that speaks to the lack of leadership that we even have on a local level right now, that I feel people are a little depressed right now. Why do you feel that people got depressed though, Colin? Um, I think with Peter, De and I get, and I'll say this, look, I live in DC. I know a lot of these cats. Like I've talked to many of them. I met many of them. I volunteered for Bernie back in 2019. I met many of his staffers and at the time, they seemed very nice and, you know, very much into the message. I'm really looking for change. And I bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. But the moment that, um, you know, Bernie suspended his campaign, they just, they just went their own separate ways. Some started their own consulting companies, you know. So it's just like, I think for me, just living here, Everyone here in D.C. is looking for, or D.C. adjacent, is looking for the next come up or the next opportunity in terms of getting their name out there and making a success of themselves. So for me, living here, that's kind of what I see on the regular. I say to people, like, I have, 
I have a healthy skepticism of any politician or any political adjacent people in this city, just given, you know, your position and more often than not, you usually are in it for yourself and not necessarily for the people. Now there could be, there are few who are exceptions to that, but that's not usually the rule. And I think, yeah, I think people are depressed because I don't know. I think at the end of the day, we still want a hero. We still want, like, we all want that story. We want that Cinderella type story where, you know, the prince is going to come in and save us from the villain of the story. And, and I think it's hard to kind of imagine, I think, especially right now, given inflation and, you know, coming out of COVID or whatever, that people are tired and people are exhausted and people are trying just to figure out how to pay their bills and just living life, that the idea of being your own hero, even in that is exhausting. And I totally get that. Um, And I think that kind of speaks to the lack of community that we have among each other, much less within ourselves that we're willing to do the work on the ground in order to force the politician's hand in order to do something that is tangible to us. So I think it's just, yeah, I just think it's a lot of that. It's we're tired and, and yeah, I think we, I, even I kind of get caught up in it sometimes. It's like, it's a nice thought to think about the idea of someone doing something for you versus doing the work and getting it yourself. Well, and that, my friends, lies the problem. Because yeah. I think the thing is, is like one of the things that I learned from the Black Panthers is that this horizontal organization, right? Like it, them helping themselves, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and it's like, I think that again, when we talk about neoliberalism, that actually took like a lot of the revolutionary fight away, where they were just told people were just told, particularly the black community, just vote for this person and they'll do what you need them to do yeah. to help your community. Then right. all the revolutionary energy just went away. And it's like, this is why I tell people like, Dr. West is not perfect. None of these people are perfect. They are going to make mistakes. They're going to, they may do things that we don't like. Like, this is just reality of the situation. But at the end of the day, like, this is why I worry when people get emotionally invested. And I saw this with Bernie. I got emotionally invested with Bernie. I got emotionally invested with Obama. You would have thought I would have learned after Obama, but I didn't. Right. And so I just think that I see people gain, becoming emotionally invested with Dr. West too, when they're like, oh no, they did this and I don't like it. And that's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And I'm just like, right. wow. Like it just like, again, like, why are you investing so much of your time or emotion into this? This is just a piece of the puzzle. But I hope people understand like a campaign is just a piece of the puzzle. It's nothing without the work on the ground. Right. And I think a lot of it is, I think, in, and I, 
I don't, I'm not blaming you or anyone at RBM because I know you guys actively try to promote local causes, I think, especially with your mutual aid causes. And I really appreciate that. Um, that being said, I think you're one of the few who actually do promote that. And then look at everyone else that everyone is watching on independent media. That's often not highlighted at all. Like, it's still this idea of electoralism to kind of look into these people as your saviors. And so I think even in our space, the idea of talking about mutual aid or what would direct action look like and all of that, unless if it's a trending topic, which is rare, does not sell, and you know this, does not sell well. It does not get the views, it does not get the clicks, but this conversation about Dr. Les and Peter Dow, that's what's gonna drive the algorithm on YouTube. And so, I blame, in the sense, like, the algorithm that it favors people to be able to talk about this stuff and profit off of it. But the things that, you know, require actual manpower is not sexy, as Anna would say. And it doesn't get any views. It does not get the clicks. And people, and I don't want to believe people aren't interested in it. I think people will be more interested if they know how they can, but we don't necessarily have enough conversations or examples where people can visualize that locally. And, and I think that's something that's, we definitely that's, need to change. That's because people, people are online too much. So like, for example, right. for the Boston chapter, like I announced it on the show but then, like, once I said, hey, guys, if you're interested, I sent it out via the newsletter, sign up. People signed up. Like, Terry, I think Terry's in the in the queue somewhere, or in the chat, at least, a listener. Um, Terry signed up. Charlie, a bunch of people, like, signed up via the newsletter, even the ones who didn't see it on stream. But then after that, like, you, you got to organize with the people in person. Right. No, you know? and I think, so I right, but I think even look... Like, with the exception of you and, like, a few others, like, how many people in the space actually do what we do as far as activism? Not many, if any, at all. Like, they're just sitting behind their computers and talking and, like, and so when people kind of call me out and being like, oh, you ain't shit, whatever, I'm like, bitch, I don't care because this isn't my job. Like, yeah, this is really a hobby for me, and I don't rely on YouTube uh, to make something of myself. I'm already doing it teaching, which takes up the fair majority of my time. I just came tonight from an organization meeting with my group. Um, so I'm already doing the things that, like, I don't need anyone's validation in order to be like, um, to be say, oh, you don't get the clicks and you, I don't care about it. And I, and that's why you don't see me that often because on the space, because I agree with you, like Twitter is just a fucking cesspool anyway. So it's like, and now that I'm back at work, I can't afford to be on it like all day because I'm with my kids. But then it's just like, I do agree. It kind of sucks you away from the things that you should be doing. And it's so easy to kind of get caught up in what everyone's saying and what's the trending thing or what people are not saying and the hate and like, 
all this back and forth. And like sometimes, you know, and I will admit I get in some of that mess too. But at the same time, I'm also like, you know what? Like there has to come a point where I just need to stop and like focus on what's really important to me. And right now, what's important to me are the students that I have in my classroom that I need to ensure that they need to learn what they need, hopefully in terms of some what of an anti-capitalistic sense as much as I can do in the public school for young kids. Um, but more importantly that, you know, in terms of my activism that I'm able to be aware and engage in what's happening in DC, not in the like capital bubble, so to speak, um, what is truly happening outside of that. And yeah, and I think you're right. Like people, if we get off our phones or get off our computers and really take a look, we'd be able to see that. But that also takes courage in order to do that because it's not pretty out here. And even when what you see can be very, um, disheartening at times. And so I think, I, I, I feel like in some ways it's also an escape and also kind of an excuse to kind of look away and kind of focus on electoralism. But as you said, it's just a small piece of the puzzle in order to get the things that we want. So, um, And those channels but, I, I showed mean, you guys tonight, like they, they all know who we are. They knew right. they know we're doing like community organizing and stuff like that. They don't they don't talk about it on their show. They don't advertise it because it would take people's focus away from electoralism and that could hurt them. But the right. thing is you can do both. You can talk about community organizing the same way you talk about unions, the same way you talk about electoral politics, and that'll actually attract even more people, I think, because some people are sitting at home and they're like they want something to do besides just sitting around and waiting to vote for someone. And I think that's incredibly important. And like, we really do have to get out of like this, this habit, which I think started during COVID. We have right. to get out of this habit of let's just do everything online. No, like when I started volunteering, that was all done in person. And I started volunteering when I was in high school. So I think the thing is, is like the answer guys is not who we put in the white house. The answer is in our own communities. But in order to do those things in our communities, people got to get off Twitter. I'm not right. saying you have to leave Twitter, but I'm saying like you got to like take a break and like actually go out and talk to the people and find out what the needs are of the people in the community. Like I remember it's like certain people like abroad who listen to you started their own mutual aid because of what Rome was doing. And so like you know, so those are the kind of things that we need more of. Um, but I will say this for Peter. Um, look, if he did, look, and I'll say this, uh, and then I have to go because I need to finish, I need to go to bed. Um, but like, I'm not, I mean, it's early. I'm not completely sold on Dr. West yet, but I feel like we have a year. Like, we have a year to really see what his message is and how he's able to evolve and like, and then see, you know, like, especially now that we know he's running outside the duopoly, he will be in a general election, hopefully, you know, so that I can kind of make my decision later. 
But for right now, I think especially with Peter, I get me too. Like people are frustrated with the idea of having, you know, a political handler like him uh, essentially be in charge of Dr. West's campaign. Does that make or break, you know, Dr. West? Not necessarily, but I do also agree that Peter has a lot to answer to. And obviously he just was with Marianne. So obviously he cannot speak to a lot of what happened there. But I'm curious to know from him, like if he's really, what I haven't heard from him is like the acknowledgement of how people are upset. Because I'm sure he would have been aware that people would be not happy. And I yet to see if he's able to do that. But assuming he does, I really want to know from him, like, what does this mean? What does this campaign mean for you? More specifically, what do you, what, how are you going to help Dr. West inspire the people to do the work, like, outside of electoralism? Like, how are you going to craft, helping craft that message in order for pe- inspire people to really think of this, not as a presidential campaign per se, but as a long-term investment to bridge the idea of the possibility of having third parties in this country? I'm really curious to see how he will respond to that. And then just the issues, I think, again, I don't think it's necessarily fair to kind of call him out on stuff that he's done years ago. I mean, we've all have done shit that we're not necessarily proud of. And again, he really hasn't spoken to that. What we can account for is more recently, just some of the stuff that I'm kind of hearing from about yep. him is not good. And I think yep. he definitely should account for that. Um, I know like at INN, we're not looking like we've made a pact that we won't have anyone politically minded like that on our shows, uh, but for anyone else, uh, if he's willing to come on, I hope people really press him and just be like, look, you should understand why people are upset. What do you plan to do to gain the trust that's not just lip service on Twitter? What tangible actions are you planning to do in order to help people kind of move beyond this and think long-term in terms of what we have to do. That, I'm really interested to see if he has followed that and what he will have to say about that. Um, and I hope people do have the opportunity to ask him that. Because I think at minimum, he owes it to people who are upset right now and that are skeptical of him that he needs to be on his knees, essentially praying to have people kind of be convinced that he's worthy of that trust in light of being a part of Dr. West's campaign. Otherwise, you know, the campaign is going to be in the world of hurt over the next year. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I would definitely like ask him about that because the thing is, is he has to prove to people that he can be trusted. And, you know, I mean, it's like you said, it's the more recent, like uh, the more recent stuff that people are, you know, you, you were just a part of Marianne's campaign. And then it's like, like, what is going on? Like people contacted me and said, I think Marianne Williamson did this on purpose to secretly sabotage Cornell West campaign. 
I don't know if I go that far. Right. But I'm just, but people's minds will start. To... I wouldn't not believe it. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to Marianne, there is no. But you know, I mean, what's funny is like, I mean. No, go ahead. You were just saying, Colin, like how it's crazy that we have another year of this, which is only more depressing. But like, like Jill Stein, when she announced it was in August of 2016, like they had to wait until the Green, Par- Green Party had like the convention and the primary happened. This is the first time where we have like Cornell announced so early. So it's like, in a way, it's like, I guess there's time to like sort of for the campaign to sort itself out. What I'm worried about more is like someone from the inside sabotaging specifically. Like I think as a community, we need to keep an eye out for the Green Party in the swing states because that's what Democrats are going to try to sabotage and and vote ballot initiatives or or you know ballot access. So Arizona, Georgia, not just the swing states, but I think the whole infrastructure on the the Green Party national on the on the whole, like let's admit, like their their infrastructure is shitty like right now so and i've been saying this it's like you're trying to like i'm just really frustrated with the green party on a national level right now because really they should be a lot farther ahead since 2016 than where they are now like they've gone in my mind i think jill sign did what she could to kind of and i think she did somewhat decently to elevate the green party a little bit in 2016 but what progress have they made on a national level since then? Not much, if at all. And so, like, they should be far ahead right now in terms of really the idea of them trying, fish, not fishing, but, like, really trying to garner votes over for Dr. West really should not be a thing that they should be, like, looking for right now. They should have already had the buy-in from people since 2016 that they should have invested in all this time. So, and that's another thing that I have, and I'm not sure if Peter would be the one to answer this, but like someone in the de- in the Green Party on the national level needs to account for that too. Well, uh, that's all, that's part of Howie Hawkins' fault. Howie right. Hawkins, because it was very different with Jill Stein. Howie Hawkins came in, well, didn't come in, but he was already there. But Howie Hawkins, I feel in my position, did more damage than good in 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 my in my opinion just to be honest and i feel like the howie hawkins angela walker thing i just i I think angela walker should have been top of that ticket i -hmm. think that howie hawkins uh it was too soft on the democratic party he was not the way that jill stein was at all and so to your point though jill stein announced later Cornell West, so when people tell me Cornell West needs to do something, he needs to be on the ground. He just did a conference call with people in Cop City. A lot of people may not know about that, but it was announced. Cornell West is actually way ahead when we look at the timing when Jill Stein announced. Right. So I think we have to, I think another thing too I've noticed is like where some of us are still in this mindset of what happened for Bernie, because mm-hmm. a lot of us came from that Bernie movement. And again, we have to remember it's a Green Party, it's a third party campaign it's not someone running through the primary in the democratic party that's why one of the things that frustrates me when people keep saying he's going to endorse joe biden i'm like 
guys, he's in the general election. Right. People still are thinking. And, like, and then even the then, let's face fast. Is he going to be president? No. But can he use this to build something long term? That's what we're looking for right now. And I think people need to be realistic of that fact, which I think is another part of the depression that people are feeling. I think people are kind of making the association of Dr. West is going to be president. No, like what we need him for is long-term investment in terms of making third parties viable. So it'll be interesting to hear from Peter what strategy does he have in order to help promote that. Um, But, you know, like, as I said, I think people are disappointed. I totally get why people are disappointed, myself included, but at the same time, there's a lot of work to be done that you have, we have a lot more control over locally that really, if we open our eyes, as you said, Savvy, get off Twitter, uh, for a few days or a few weeks or whatever, you will find them and you have more control over that versus having con- no control over what happens electorally on a national level. And I think we definitely need to refocus on the efforts that we're doing locally and statewide. Um, depending on the state, there's a lot of great things potentially are happening that people need to advocate for. We just need to be willing to do that. And if you have the time or support causes that help promote those things and not be so caught up in the drama that is electoral politics. You know, we, we can, um, what do you call it? Uh, you should invite him on call in, Sabrina. Take direct questions directly from us. I can do that too. I can try to do that too. We'll see. Colin to be buggy, you know, Colin kind of buggy since, but I can try that too. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, these co- these conversations need to happen again. Like Peter does need to, I think, answer these questions, and he should have known. Like, bruh, you just came from Marianne's campaign, so you know people are gonna have questions. And another thing I noticed too, like some people are retweeting a tweet from Cornell West and not looking at the date. All of a sudden, this tweet from Cornell West from 2011 is circling around Twitter where he's saying, well, Ronald Reagan, da, 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 something about what Ronald Reagan did or whatever. And a lot of people aren't even noticing that tweet is from 2011. It's already starting. It's already starting. And for the people, and another thing I want to say, I'm going to keep it real, for the people's ass out here who's defending RFK Jr. and he's fucking Zionism and shit, and he's running through the Democratic Party. For the people who sitting up there defending him and you you holding back and you got all praise for Bobby Kennedy, but you got all these attacks towards Cornell West and he's running third party. I see your grift too. Well, I think, but part of it again is that RFK is, they think, a lot of people think that he's going to run third party. So they're trying to sort of get leftists on their team. They're trying to, you know, make that happen. It's all. Um, but who cares? He's still a fucking Zionist. Like, am I the only one that like notices this shit? Like, people are like, oh, he might run. Da-da. He 
he's a Zionist. He's against universal health care. So he ain't trying to give you no damn health care. Right. He also <laughs> said he would not increase taxes on the wealthy. So I don't oh, know why. But he's, oh, but he's, uh, but he's against for, reparations. Uh, but he's for uh, canceling, uh, sorry, um, getting rid of uh, qualified immunity. Oh, actually, never mind. You know, he's going to switch up on that two weeks later. The way, the fact that he said that to a black newspaper and then switch up. I mean, that's just that's I mean, it's ballsy. I'm trying to tell you guys how these Kennedys are, man. I live here in Massachusetts. I'm telling right. you how they are. Right. Like I lived in Boston. Like Kennedys are no good. <laughs> like the moment he's announced, I was like, nope, not interested. You are part of that family. Like wasn't interested for the jump, but you know. Um and it, anyway, I will go because I want other people to um have the opportunity to speak to you, Savvy, but uh thank you for having me on. All right, thank you so much. I'll go to Noel and then I'll bring in uh Killian. Go ahead, Noel. I just wanted to offer people to to be cautious as we approach this because you know, first of all, as you articulated, Savvy there's a specific need in the campaign for a campaign manager. And it's not like you have 50 million people clamoring, knocking at the door saying, Dr. West, it'll be me. I can do it. So, and then we have the issue that Dr. West was kind of recruited to run through the Green Party by Jill Stein and Chris Hedges and what have you. So it's not like he even sat down and said, oh, I'm going to do this through the Green Party. And remember, it was the People's Party that really spoke to him first. So yep. these things are evolving situations and we have to allow some amount of latitude for them to evolve. Um, this is still politics. The Green Party is is not a major party, so there is not cash overflowing. There is not like deep in infrastructure to do all this coordinating, coordinating and managing. And so I imagine it's like a shoestring thing until people really get involved. And Dr. West, to his credit, does say over and over again, it's a moment in a movement. And so I think we have to be careful to be patient and trust that Dr. Stein has vetted Peter Dow in a way that has answered some of the concerns and questions that I'm sure she would have. Um, and I think, you know, as the campaign manager, there are certain levels of interrogation that he shouldn't be subjected to because after all, he is on the campaign at Dr. West's invitation, so to speak. So, you know, to put him on the firing line. And I think, yeah, we have concerns, we have issues, but I think Dr. West should be out front on these things as well to address some of the concerns so he can give him that vote of confidence and say, yeah, I understand these things, but you know, I trust him in this and that and blah, 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 blah. But, um, you know, it's just an interesting set of dynamics. And I think what we are, you know, experiencing is the desperation that moves throughout this nation. You know, we have said over and over again, it is the system. It is the system. It is the system. The Democrats and Republicans have a vested interest in this system 
because as they man it and control it, they are more alike than they are unalike. So as you say, we're trying to create a third party alternative so that the millions of people who do not want to see a doctor, um, who don't want to see Biden or Trump, we're trying to create that movement and it has to be robust. And, you know, if we're going to do that, it goes unsaid that we're going to have to win a lot of disaffected people who were Democrats and who were Republicans and who were independents. My concern and what troubles me is that on the horizon, I see people not being willing and able to find the common ground to coalesce around. And again, I see that as a response to the desperation. I think in our everyday lives, people do see this thing eroding, collapsing, you know, and as people get more dialed in politically, they see it more clearly. I know I do. And it's just like, you know, almost a race against time. And it's difficult behind the Bernie campaign for people to trust. And this is the great disservice that I think Bernie's betrayal manifest in the political body politic. You have got people, you lifted people's hopes and then you dashed them to the rocks and people are really skittish now. And, you know, I think it's reflected in all the skepticism, legitimate though it be. Um, And I just wanted to say one other thing. I think with the Cal and um, Crystal debate with Bree, I think they exposed themselves and they showed who they really are and we need to believe them. There is no way you can be doing backflips and making um, Biden's appointment to the NLRB the centerpiece of all this support and ooh, we so excited and just for this alone. No. He, and as um, Bree made so clear the baseline for Biden's performance or his an assessment of his performance are his promises that he made on the campaign. It is not Kyle coming in with a zero expectation and then jumping up and down about the things that he was able to do. It is about what he promised. And that is the baseline against what he should be assessed. And as Bree says, there are a lot of people who are just not satisfied because you, it, like she says, if I called you in to patch my roof and that was the contract, but you came and rearranged my furniture, no matter how much I loved it, your contract was to fix the roof. And I think, you know, we just have to accept, and I think many of us in this environment do, we just know that the system is beyond repair and reform and the change that will be needed will be revolutionary in nature. And I think for Bernie Sanders to have raised that and, you know, threw it to the curb really did a disservice. And now Cornell is attempting to rally the people around a third party to build it out. And then perhaps we can, you know, you know, bring in some of these disaffected voices and and you know what? And on this last note, I want to say to neoliberal tears, you know, there is an issue with um, white people accepting, 
you know, um, reparations for the descendants of slaves as, as a legitimate demand. And we see it every day. I understand that, you know, all of our interests are tied in a certain extent, but acknowledging that is a whole different thing. And a lot of people just don't recognize it. And, a, you know, a large part of the reason Trump has that, you know, 40, 50 percent of the Republicans that just no matter what happens, they cling to him. A part of that clinging is because he dog whistled that he would restore something to them that is not granted to everybody else. And that is as much a reason why they cling to him as anything. He promised to make America great again. And we happen to know that America was never really great in that sense. But they understand what he was saying. And they are not willing. If, by and large, if a large swath of white people would just say, yeah, we understand reparations, and yeah, that's justice for the descendants because that wealth didn't disappear in the thin air, we would be able to build a coalition overnight because, you know, if that was legitimate, because we understand how the system has grinded, you know, white Americans and black Americans down to the dust. But the thing is, can we rise from this thing acknowledging that it has had a disparate impact and that there is justice that still needs to be served? And that, you know, it's not that racism, everything is um, white people working white class people's fault, but it is the, pre the preservation of that institution. They need to be willing to see it torn down as mil as much as we're willing to tear it down and that's just, those are some of the points I well said noel uh killian what's going on hi sabby i'm one of those typical long-time listeners first-time call-ins so thank you um i i guess i just kind of wanted to like um just point on it's like i know i'm hearing a lot of the despair stuff right now uh about just kind of the loss of a you know potential third party presidential candidate but uh, I just want to say too, it's like I, I don't, I don't quite agree with Roe. Maybe on like the whole like fuck voting thing, but I mean, I think it's important to pay attention to it. But I think right now, with getting the third party like across the five percent finish line, with the Green Party, in my opinion, that's kind of been dead for like a little while. I mean, if you want to keep going for it, like Rocket, I, I just want to just say for the people there who are like feeling that like you know whatever appointment or whatever drama is going in in electoral politics, I still think it is way more important and there was a lot of good points beforehand i keep on mentioning i i forget who made all these good points it was several people made a lot of good points about just interacting with the community and i think that's really important um i think it's important to uh, i you think you savvy were talking about just getting offline um and i, I have noticed that like because i haven't really like been that much into a political organization every time there's like something going on it's like i don't because there's always drama in something like something or other like for for a while it's like you know i was look i was looking around at psl for a while and it's like i already know like a bunch of drama and bullshit about them and it's like they're not fucking perfect and they suck in a lot of things too but it's like eventually if we want to build a working class movement we're gonna to have to like you know work with some of these people we don't see eye to eye with i mean i think that's kind of like what we're looking at with you know the whole uhuru thing is that there's a lot of people who are willing to kind of dismiss these people and throw them to the side because they hear, oh, well, they're associated with Russia. Oh, they're like doing this bullshit. Like, oh, they're doing this bullshit for Russia. Oh, they must be, 
you know, they must be against Ukraine because, you know, they're getting Russian talking points. And that's pretty much just, you know, it, just, it kind of shows me that it's like a lot of solidarity nowadays is it's so easy to just kind of make these groups like factioned out and just be like, well, they're unworkable. I can't even like talk to them anymore. Like these people absolutely suck. And honestly, even when I remember with Bernie Sanders, and I feel like most of us in 2016 are like, at least at that point, we're really looking at, 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 we were really seeing a lot of more leftist unity than we are today. And at this point, I look at Bernie Sanders and I'm going like, wow, like why was, <laughs> I didn't know my shit about him. I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I wasn't privy to him and like what he was really talking about. But I, he, what was clear is that he had a message and that message was Medicare for all and I'm against the wars. That, that was pretty much what I was primarily getting out of people whenever I was talking to people who were more on the libertarian or conservative side. They, were, they, they saw more eye to eye, I mean, even if, you know, I know libertarians don't exactly see it this way, but people who were leaning in that direction like, were more in favor of Medicare for all and ending the wars. And I think those were like strong core issues that we need to, like, to, we need to like, focus on and concentrate on to be the message and you know, really kind of like see what we can do with it. And I'm not trying to use this as an excuse to like, you know, hey, RFK is like a Zionist. Oh no, I don't really care. It's like, he's fine. It's like, I don't really necessarily agree with that. I'm just saying I'm fine with like using people who were not using people, but I'm fine with taking that energy that people had that was just sitting out there supporting this candidate on a specific issue and dragging that and having the next candidate or the next person in the movement just move along with it. And I think it's also important to consider this too. Um, it's so easy for like an electoral leader to just fall because they're just one person. And it's, it's really hard to have that movement together. When like Bernie Sanders lost all the primaries, it, there was just no one else to take the torch. No one else is willing to do it. There was no real movement or like all this organization that was beyond the, the organization of the Bernie Sanders movement. And, and, and that's kind of crazy to me. And I think it's only mostly because we are so fragmented and it's more important that we think about, we don't want to be fragmented from one another as our neighbors, because that's who they are. They're going to disagree on certain things. They're going to like not, they're not, they're going to have beliefs that you don't necessarily have and you don't understand. And, 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 and honestly, like the best way to get them to come around in anything is just to be around them and advocate for interests that help both of you. And honestly, I think the two big issues that would probably be the biggest thing for, you know, like an upcoming horrible economic crisis that like we're kind of looming down the barrel of is to think about public, like public debt forgiveness for everybody, because that's an issue where everyone's going to need it. And I think that would definitely work across all. Like, like a lot of class lines beyond race or religion or any of this just based on people's needs um and then potentially p public ownership of resources like i think that would be the way to advocate paying for it that'd be the way to advocate you know actually getting us a little bit closer to what i'd call socialism i guess and having people who are working be a little bit more in charge be more in charge of the resources there's still a lot of work to do from there but it's something where I can see where it's it's not too socialist or too oh my god they're taking everything from us uh you know scaring scaring anyone who like wants to keep theirs away but it's also inclusive enough and is going to help everyone on the left to some extent as you know as we go along but this is all also assuming that like we're going to have a terrible economic crisis which I mean I'm hedging my bets on and I think that's gonna also fuck up our election in the future coming up but uh 
no, those are just a couple of thoughts I had. So, so Killian. Yeah. Uh, how you doing? Not bad. Um, so the first part, what you were talking about of this politician not being the right one, or they got an issue with this or the issue with that and got to find someone to build a movement around. The thing is, we're not supposed to build movements around politicians. That's one. right. Right. Okay. If you want to, there is nothing more unified than getting on board for specific policy running issue by issue by issue by issue running citizen ballot initiatives because it doesn't involve like like oh this this ballot initiative said something on twitter 10 years ago or this ballot initiative was in a was in a three-way relationship with his baby mom and, and and her sister you know whatever the case is yeah you focus and you coalesce around the issue you feel what i'm saying because it's just an issue you feel what I'm saying? Like, if you heard of, like, like where, where, are you, where are you? Are you in a ballot initiative state? I'm in Wisconsin, so no. Okay, but right next to you in Ohio, um, they have one for. They're trying to get on the ballot uh, for next for next year, ending qualified immunity. Okay, so I contacted the lady who started. That's called Ohio. Uh, initiative to end qualified immunity, so it's it's an, it's running it as an initiative amendment. You feel what I'm saying? Um, Maine has something for public power, the pine tree, where they they're trying to do public power for the entire state. So that's on the ballot in Maine. You feel what I'm saying? So those are single issues, one by one by one by one. So it's without all of even if you don't live in a ballot initiative state like I do, you can show somehow show support to those people who are running those specific issues. You see what I'm saying? So that's what I'm trying to get people to, to do is to wean off who do we build a movement around. Like, no, you build a movement around the issues. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. All right. That, that's that's, that's well said, Roger. That's, that's a really good point. And I think, and I get where you're coming from as well, Killian. I think that you know, there, there is a lot of despair out there. And I will say that Bernie Sanders made it hard for anyone else coming after him that's wanting to, you know, unite the people and create some type of movement. He made it more difficult for anyone coming after him because of what he did, because of how he abandoned the people. You know, a lot of people are upset, disillusioned, I would say as well. But I also think that I mean, let's keep it real. Like, I'll be honest. Like, before I started the show, I studied. I studied a lot. And I used to watch all these shows that were behind the Bernie movement. And I studied a lot. And one of the things I noticed was that, especially those that started during the Bernie movement, and that was the main focus, you know, you can't really... It's not wise, I think, to build a show around a political campaign because people will tune in for the, the, the information about the campaign, but campaigns end and there's no guarantee that the person that you're backing is going to win. So what happened was when Bernie Sanders lost in 2016, then he lost again in 2020. I think some of those shows like Majority Report and Secular Talk TYT, which is just a mess now, they're all over the place. 
I think they found themselves wondering, well, what do we do now to not just keep the audience that we have, that we told to go out there and support and not just support, but they told us to volunteer. They told us to donate. How do we keep those people, but also continue to grow and build another audience? And I think what I showed you guys tonight is is their answer. They're just going to move everybody over to the corporate candidates because part of it is Trump derangement syndrome. But the other part of it is, again, there's money attached to this. How do we continue to keep that flow of money coming into the show? Well, we got to start getting some of the people that are Democrat loyalists. And the way that you do that is by telling people to vote for Joe Biden and saying good things about Joe Biden. That's what Kyle did. That's what Majority Report is doing. That's what TYT is doing. That's it's it's very sad uh, to see, but I would I would push you to ask yourselves when you watch some of these shows, what is the goal? When you watch RBN, our goal is pretty clear. You got to organize within your community. You have to create movements on the ground, grassroots movements. Yes, there are going to be elections. Because we cover news, we're going to cover them. But even when Cornell West announced, I remember CJ said, now remember, this could be the start of a third party movement, but don't get excited around one political candidate. And I think that's the difference. So the thing is, is that people have to ask themselves, what exactly do they want? Do they want some type of a movement, like a grassroots movement? Do they want community organizing, that kind of thing? Or do they just want to go to the ballot box and just vote for someone? Problem is with the latter, if you just want someone to go vote for, elections eventually end and the person that you want to vote for may not win. And that's usually when people will check out, they go back into their silos and then next election season, they come back around again and say, okay, who's the person I need to vote for now? Meanwhile, your material conditions, particularly in your communities, are not improving because we've have, we've spent so much time, all the organizing that people did for the Bernie Sanders campaigns, imagine if we took that time and energy and money and resources and organized something really strong on the ground, just like Occupy Wall Street did or just like the George Floyd protest did, you know? So I think that's the thing that really upsets me when I see that Bernie Sanders got over a hundred million dollars donated to him for 2020. It's just a hundred million dollars for what we could have taken that money. And he got mainly small dollar donations. We could have taken that money. We could have built clinics for people across this country that can't afford to, you know, that don't have clinics in their, their community or they don't have health insurance. Like we could have built homes we could have built homes for people. So it's it's just, these are some of the things that I just look at. And I'm, I'm like, I, that's $100 million that went down the drain because Bernie Sanders, for those who say he's still fighting for us, no, he's not fighting for us. Bernie Sanders left us a long time ago when he told us to vote for Hillary Clinton. And then again, when he told us to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Killian? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to just respond to your point. Um, and also, I also want to thank you for uh, doing a great interview of Jesse Ventura as well. That was another person who I was at one point hoping was going to like try and drag the greens up to 5%. And I, that was kind of, that was kind of my little, um, 
you know, disillusioned, especially once you had, once you gave him your great interview and really pressed him on like, well, what's the forward party? What is like, you know, what is being moderate exactly? Because I think what that interview did is it kind of, it, it showed a lot of uh, what some of that energy was around some of, you know, some of the fringe people in the Green Party were like hoping would be a movement there. And I think that kind of goes along with like, you know, Dr. Cornell West's campaign or RFK Jr.'s campaign is it's like, they're gonna, they're probably gonna fail. Like, they're probably gonna fail, guys. And it's like, I don't, and it's like, I'm not trying to like, no, one, no one's gotta be like, feel dumb or anything for it. It's just like, it's gonna happen. But it's like, what are we gonna do with that political energy? Because that's kind of what the people who own this country are like thinking about. They're five steps ahead of that shit. That's like, well, we have a whole social media apparatus that'll like make everyone confused and hate each other over petty bullshit. And, you know, they're not going to get anything done. They're not going to organize with one another. They're going to like fight over like, they're going to fight over like some little issue that's like not about what they're both fighting for together. It's about like, well, here's how we have to disagree with one another. And the people who run these major cartels of like, you know, like, you know, like State Street and Vanguard and, you know, like all in the BlackRock, all these places that are like going to own all our shit, they're all pretty much in agreement with another. Like they have differences, but they're willing to put all that shit aside. And it's like, yeah, it, it's hard to do it in our own community. Like it, it's, it's fucking difficult to do it because it's like you're interacting with people who are hostile to potentially your identity to your views it, like to like, like your beliefs like it's like some of these people aren't gonna fucking like you but it's like and, and it sucks cause it's like i'm a fucking white guy saying this but it's like you're gonna have to interact in places where people like might specifically be hostile to you i'm not trying to tell like my black comrades like oh yeah go fucking do it it's like fine but it's like yeah people are gonna be hesitant like anyone is and it's like i think what's gonna like make people go past that line is like you know, the economic collapse that we're going to face is like, you know, the the inevitable glut of capitalism decaying and us having to go through a major economic catastrophe. And the, I mean, the things that we're looking at with bricks and like the dollar going and the dollar being like less and less valuable, like we're staring down the gun of that. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's what my focus is on at this point is that like that communal organizing it's going to be way more important. And to Roger, your point earlier, it's like, I appreciate the ballot initiative stuff, but like in my state, it's like, I'm going to have to like find direct action to like get ballot initiatives like on there like that. And like, really yeah. like so, all the Democrats in our area aren't really like, they ain't shit. They're not, they're not well, doing anything. They're, they're lukewarm moderates at best. And gonna... really all they can do is really just like pretty much delay what Republicans can do while passing like while passing um, neoliberalism bullshit. Now, honestly, Wisconsin, Wisconsin Democrats are a little bit better, but it doesn't really look like much without like a major workers movement. And honestly, the only way I see that happening is like something like the trucker convoy in Canada, where it's like you have an industry of people who are able to shut down an industry until a demand is met. And that demand is like completely clear. And it's like, it has to be the type of thing that's able to shut down the economy in a certain sense. That's able right. to like really make people lose a lot of money and lose a lot of power and influence very quickly until demands are like actually given. And honestly, demands that like that are right. power that, that are powerful and are big bargaining tools, not this little like oh the NLRB like got us got you got Starbucks <laughs> to be able to like you know, do their bosses they have enough money. It's like n none of that bullshit. It needs to be like a defiant win, but that's not really going to happen until people are really. And the hard part about or union organizing is like, you know, I, I work third shift in like a little place in Franklin outside of Milwaukee. And it's like, you know, it's manufacturing. And 
it's like I work with like three other guys and it's like, well, honestly, I can convince a couple of them to be like in a union. But one guy I know would snitch on me like no like no way like would like try to like work against him any way he could to like actually get ahead. And he's not going to listen to shit. He's going to he's going to try and go over. Well, it's like, well, how the fuck do I work around that? Like and honestly, the only way it's going to happen is like we're all in like way more of a dusty situation and he's not going to have anywhere else to look. And I think that that's kind of like the wake up thing with you know, the wake up thing we're looking for with that energy going away is that it's like, yeah, it's going to go into a lull of like supporting other candidates. But like someone like I look at someone like Rome and I don't see eye to eye with everything Rome, with how Rome views it. But it's like, yeah, he's desperate enough to like go out and like actually pursue communal organization with it. Like he's actually like willing to go out there and like do do some I mean, some fucking thing. Like it's like you can disagree, you can agree, disagree. But it's like, you know, he's he's willing to interact with those those people who like are fucking hostile to him because it's like you know it's it's fuck it it's like it's do or die already and most people aren't going to do that most of us are like living just above the line we're just able to make it but it's like once this shit de-dollarizes and i think maybe you know it might happen before the election might happen after but it's going to happen at some point like and i don't mean to like you know i, I guess i'm trying to say is that some of that some of that despair is kind of like a revolutionary optimism is that you kind of got to like you know use that because i think honestly the republicans were like really honing in on that trump was honing in on that with i think the whole maga thing because i think you know it may be a dog whistle to the racist is like and i i don't necessarily disagree with that point but i think what it was also speaking to is that well yeah in the 70s didn't you have a bit more like yeah in the 90s didn't you have more like yeah in the 20s in like 2000s didn't you have more and it's just you know it, it's a lie it's like you know like any dictatorial fascist lie that we're going to give you all this at the expense of nothing but you know i think that really spoke to a lot of people who were just you know versus the neoliberal option which is like kind of what we're going to face again in 2024 is it's like some lukewarm neoliberal option of like staying at war versus like hey here's like you know if not trump it might be a bit like ram swami if i'm if we're optimistic and that's like you know another like neocon who's like pretending to be a populist who like is going to say he's going to like you know stop arming ukraine but you know take that for what you will uh, you know, it's it's that it's the same type of song and dance, and it, it's until we really have to have a movement that's willing to kind of work around and use the tools of the situation that we're in. Like, kind of as hate to quote, I hate to be a little stereotypical here, but I hate to, to quote Lenin is it's like you need to like <laughs> you, you need if the if the strategy changes in 24 hours, the tactics must change in 24 hours. And it's like, yeah, you need to kind of like build a movement with people who are really dedicated enough to like dedicate their whole life to it. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, I know bullshitism is different than like, you know, what American socialism might be, but it's like, I think that kind of discipline and finding people who are worth that integrity, it's like rare to find right now. But I think it's, I think it's okay to build, or I think it's important to build like an infrastructure and it's not going to be just one infrastructure. It have to be an infrastructure among all these kind of fragmented leftist groups that are actually like, willing to get shit done like people like uhuru who like actually are out there feeding their community and like giving out like news reports on like what's going on in ukraine and stuff i think and then like running candidates against the democratic party like it's like doing a damn thing and that's why they're being targeted by the fbi because they're like yeah they're, like, they're, they're danger yeah that's that's a really good point well i do want to make sure i move on to the other um callers but thank you so much killian no thank you savvy thanks for letting me ramble on appreciate you bye all right, let's bring in Michael. Michael, you are on the mic. Just have to unmute, um, and then we'll go to peace. What's up, Michael? Oh, hello. Um, 
I think I sent you a super chat earlier. Um, I think because I said you were um, like viral on TikTok earlier. I think I sent you that super chat earlier on uh, your live yeah. stream. Um, but I don't think it was you who posted it. I think someone did a retweet. I think someone like reposted your TikTok on that. Like someone of reposted course. your TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I was about to but, say, I'm not um, that good on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. But um, what I wanted to like ask was because like you were talking, I think the other day about like RFK and how he was like going to um, maybe like not like he was going to leave like the Democratic Party, but like maybe he like do a third party bid. And like maybe if he like did something like that. And, like, he ran third party. Maybe, like, Democrats would think, like, oh, this guy's running and a lot of Republicans like him. Maybe he would take votes from Trump. Do you think you see a scenario where they would be more comfortable maybe voting for Cornell West, not seeing him as a spoiler in that way? Huh. You know, that that actually that actually might be the case. Like, the more people... I mean, there's, there's other independents running, too. There's Dr. Shiva. There's Jasmine Sullivan. Um... We know about the PSL girls that I talked yeah. about tonight. That might, but you know, the more people that do it, the less controversial it'll be. That's a good point. I just think that uh, the reason why they're going after Cornell West is because they know he's a very popular person. Yeah, and like he would take probably more like probably more Biden votes than RFK would probably. But and it, yeah, but like not he would not he would take Biden. I don't think he would take Biden votes necessarily. Like, but he would have like a more like higher chance maybe like of pulling those voters than rfk probably would but yeah i think rfk support first of all rfk polling numbers have decreased dramatically yeah they, I mean, they definitely have 20 like percent yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i've definitely have gone down since he's announced but they have but like it's gone up like with republicans like it's been a, like a backwards trajectory yeah it's just it's all very weird like i just yeah. I don't. I don't know what RFK Junior is doing. I don't think he knows. <laughs> Go ahead, Roger. Michael, mm-hmm. um, you must never forget because the news propagandizes us so much, and sometimes we forget ourselves. Yes. But you must always remember all of this stuff about. Oh, he might get this percentage of the vote. He might get, um, you know. Uh, this amount of votes and blah 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 all that means nothing yeah the only thing that matters is and what they don't talk about is what are the potential electoral college votes that he will get that's the only thing that matters all this he's a threat to this blah 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 1968 was the last time a third party presidential candidate won electoral college votes so when they talk about, oh, I'm scared, the third party, blah, 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 it's all nonsense because mm-hmm. Perot didn't get any electoral college votes. Ralph Nader didn't get any electoral college votes. Dr. Stein didn't get any electoral college votes. Howie Hawkins didn't get any electoral college votes. Oh, you, you cost us the election. That would be true if they won electoral college votes. Yes. But they did not. So when they when you hear them pushing this, or if someone's pushing this to you, oh, you might get this. You tell them it means nothing if they don't get elected. Once they once they win a state like Pennsylvania, where they got twenty electoral college votes, mm-hmm. then they could talk that stuff about you cost me the election. Okay, yeah. but until then, they just just you know like they, they're just talking nonsense. Yeah, that's the only thing that matters: electoral college votes.
Yeah, yeah again, there's that there's that assumption that those people would vote for Biden if they they wouldn't though. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But that was really all I had to say. I know you have more callers and it's late, so I just wanted to get that out of the way real quick for you. Thank you so much, Michael. Bad cookies. I'm gonna bring you in and then John. Oh man, I wasn't expecting to go right away. Hi Sabs, how you doing tonight? Hey, how are you? <clears throat> Long time no speak. I hope you're doing well. Um, I just mm-hmm. wanted to um talk about this issue with Dr. West hiring Peter Dow. It really upset me that he did this. I think uh, it's really going to derail his his campaign, and it's unfortunate that he did this. I think it's a real bad call to bring someone who has a history of being a DNC insider, no matter how they try to portray him as being someone that's outside of the system. Hmm. Um, well, someone to play devil's advocate here for a second, it could be a good thing that he was a DNC insider because he knows how the game is played. Just another agree. way, another way of looking at it. But he's I would agree, but I believe he would have an insider track of how things work in the DNC, and he would try to bring that mentality to Dr. West's campaign. He would try to feed him the neoliberal ideas of this is how you have to run your campaign. You're going to lose. Earlier in the chat, someone had linked his uh, website, and a lot of the things that used, a lot of the information that used to be on there, is suddenly off of that website. I think there's a pivot in the way he's going to start running his campaign because of bringing Peter Dowling. And I got to say, it's a, it was a, I don't know, I, I'm, I may be reacting too quickly to this, but I feel it was a real bad taste for for I, I, Stein to recommend Peter Dowling. I also saw um, um, Ron Placone. Um... You know, someone that I think wants to see the the Green Party succeed and Dr. West succeed. Like he was even just saying, you know, just from things I hear from people who worked with Peter Dow on other campaigns, like I'm not hearing good things. So even he's putting that out there in a way that I really respect. Like this is someone that doesn't have, there's no love lost between him and Jimmy. This is, you know, so, but he's still raising those concerns. So I, I just, I think bad cookies, you're definitely valid. Um, and you're not. A- Thank you, sir. His website looks the same to me. I'm not sure what people are seeing. Yeah, they said that some of the tabs weren't working or something of that nature. Um, I don't think it changed for a few weeks. All right. Well, then I was uh, misinformed. I mean, uh, there, there may be some. Sometimes it's good to well, check there, these things. Yes, well, there may be correct. some confusion because um, um, it did change because the old content was basically from the, when it was People's Party, mm-hmm. and then they changed the the policies thing. So there may be some confusion from that, perhaps. Okay. Well, I, I take that one back. Sorry to misinform people. That's not my intention here. Um, I just, I just, I feel a little sour about this. Um, I feel this is another step away from Dr. West breaking from the Democratic Party. I think this is going to lead him further back into the Democratic Party. Uh, it, it was already difficult enough to have him say that Joe Biden is a fascist. Uh, RBN had spoken to him three times, and you yourself had spoken to him yourself, telling him, hey, you, you should acknowledge Joe Biden as the fascist that he is, and he refused to do it. I feel right, that him- but, but remember what I showed people tonight. Jill Stein did the same thing when she was running through the Green Party. She didn't refer to Hillary as a fascist. She referred to Trump as a fascist, and she referred to Hillary as a neo a neoliberal. But right. both still in a bad way. So what I'm asking, what I was asking is, 
Why was everybody okay with it then, but they're not okay with it now? These are things we need to think about. That's a, that's a valid question, Sabi. If I were to say something on the spot, my response to that would be, uh, we didn't really pay that close attention to Jill Stein because at that time, Bernie Sanders was having his quote unquote movement. So we were, I, I feel we were more focused on Bernie Sanders than we were Jill Stein, even though a lot of us went on and voted for Jill Stein. Um, I feel that at that time, we just wanted something. Uh, Bernie Sanders had woken up a lot of people up about this shit. And when when we saw Jill Stein, we didn't see those warning signs at that time. But now we, we know what we're looking for here. And when you see the warning signs, it's important to to notice them before they before someone pulls another Bernie on you, you know? That, how that was do we just... know? But how do we know that this is a warning? I guess what I'm asking is, do we feel this is a warning sign because we were told it's a warning sign? Or do we feel it's a warning sign just because we feel that way? Personally, I would say that it's a warning sign in my perspective and it's completely subjective as you might not see it as the same warning sign that I would see it as. When I see Peter Dow, I see someone that has always been part of a failing uh, a failing campaign and part of a DNC insidership. If you don't see oh, that- Oh, I wasn't talking about that. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I, I'm then sorry. I misunderstood your question. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like with, with the Peter thing, again, going back to my original, one of the points I made earlier, after again, after talking to a volunteer, what was explained to me is that it seems like the people they need people to do these positions, right? To assume these positions. But so far, they're not getting people to assume those positions. The people that are choosing to go for them are people that were a part of the Democratic Party. And so that's part of the problem. The other problem, though, the other thing I will say, though is that I've talked to people on both sides. So some people have said that Peter Dow is going to be an infiltrator. Some people have said, though, that Peter Dow was actually one of the best campaign managers out there. And the other thing is, too, it's not that easy to get someone to be a campaign manager for a third-party campaign either that has that much experience. So there's that as well. So I just want people to think about both sides. I think a lot of times we get used to feeling like we have to pick a side and that's one of the things I try to get people to see with the show, too, is like, I want you to think about both sides. Don't just feel like you got to pick a side because someone told you to. No, absolutely, Savvy. You, you always make such valid, well thought out points. And that's why I love the conversations with you. Um, I just I don't want to jump to conclusions with Dr. West, but I'm going to keep an eye out on him further because at this point, I'm very skeptical of his his campaign run now just solely with the hiring of Peter Dow and his refusal to um, name Joe, uh, Joe Biden a fascist that he is. Even, even if Jill Stein did it, uh, did it too before, at this point in time, it's a little different than it was back then. Jill Stein isn't involved in the same situation that, that um, Dr. Cornell is. She, I don't know. I think it's a different what, of a what do you situation. Mean she wasn't involved in the same situation. Well, what I mean is that um, Jill Stein was in a different situation than Dr. Cor uh, Cornell West because the times were different. Like I said earlier, it, it's like we didn't we didn't really um, 
question everything that Jill Stein did. You know, we just needed someone to support and we supported her. Eventually there will be people that do the same thing with Dr. West because uh, I don't feel the same thing that a lot of other people feel that they say, oh, Dr. West is gonna drop out and endorse Joe Biden. I highly doubt that. Uh, so I don't buy into that. If he's in, if he's in the runoff, people are going to vote for him, and I don't blame anyone for doing that. I just I feel skeptical about his presidential run now because of getting burned so many times, and I don't feel I'm alone about that. But yeah. Thank you for, thanks for hearing me Another, out, Sabi. Oh no, no, go ahead. Well said, I'll, I'll bring in uh, John. Um, John, if you want to go ahead and unmute. One thing I want to add too, um, just to make everyone aware. Since I've been able to vote, I don't remember a Green Party candidate dropping out. So for the people who are saying, because some people are going around saying Green Party, he's going to drop out. Since I've been eligible to vote, I do not remember a Green Party candidate dropping out of the presidential race. Yeah, Sabi, even Peter, um, he just tweeted today uh, saying, uh, just reiterating that Dr. West is staying until November. He's in it through the entire election. He's not endorsing, not dropping, no concessions, none of that. So at least that's out there too. Like they're going to be on the ballot. That's. It just seems to me that it, instead of getting into all these debates, which I think are kind of silly as to whether Trump's the bigger fascist or or Biden's the bigger fascist or calling them the fascist or the label. I mean, they're both corrupt and whatnot. It, to me, a bigger concern with the, the Dr. West campaign that I have is, is this just going to be a campaign for, for trying to get him into the presidency or is, is this going to be a real movement and, and how, what's their plan? For making this more than just a run for the White House, what what is this movement going to be? You know what I'm going to say, right? What are its demands? What are its solutions? What is it even called? And so, like to me, that's the biggest question I would have for Dr. West and Peter Dow. Well said, well said, John. Nope, no, John. John might be going to sleep. We'll go to Gloria. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I just I just want you guys to like. This is why we don't want to get, we don't want to end up like just believing something because someone told us to, and we got to ask questions. Like it was interesting to me, the number of people that were like, oh my God, Dr. West is going to drop, drop out and he's going to endorse Joe Biden. I'm like, have you guys been around for the past like 10, 15 years? When do you remember the Green Party presidential candidate dropping out and endorsing the Democratic Party. People just believe anything. That's why I was like, come on, guys. We, we got to do better than this. That was, we got to do better. So you got to stop just. They compare him to Marianne. And I think yeah, that a lot of people just kind of have that. Like, you know, they're so used to asking RFK and Marianne those questions that they kind of forget yeah. that it's a third party. Yeah, it's like, this is not a run through the Democratic Party. This is a and run through the biggest the part. That's the biggest part we should we we are all championing. All of us want to break the duopoly. Like we, that's what we've been begging for. Like we've been begging for a big name since since Nina Turner. Like in the first time, we've been begging people to run third party people with a name. So that's the biggest thing that that um I'm really we're all really grateful that um you know when there's a year there's time there's time for him to. You know, work it's out. Early. I feel like messaging it's is the super, dumbest thing. Yeah. It's, it's super so early. early. I think people forget. Again, Jill Stein didn't announce till the year of the election. 
Like it's super early. Dr. West just met with activists in Jackson, Mississippi. He also just met with activists at Cop City. Like people just, I, I just, I, I don't even, I don't even know. Let's bring Gloria. What's up? Hello. Um, uh, this is my first time calling, but I've been listening for a while and I just, I, I do feel kind of depressed about everything that is going on. You know, we've been trying to build something since 2016 and it, I don't know, to me, I do feel like there's a lot of left infighting and something that you had said during your stream earlier kind of stuck with me about how, you know, there's a lot of fighting amongst ourselves. And then we also have like people on the right that are attacking us or the liberals that are attacking us. And it's like, how come we cannot get anything going? It's like one little thing and people just kind of, oh, I'm out, I'm done. I'm this, I'm that. And I know people aren't excited about Peter Dow or whatever. He says he's changed. He's, you know, more about breaking the duopoly. I'm like, cool, you know, that's great. That's that's what we need. So it's like, can't we at least see what he's about before we're like, we're done. This is over. I'm done with the West campaign, blah, blah, blah. And so it's just like, I don't know. I just kind of feel a little defeated. And it's like, where do we go from here? What are we going to do now? You know, even if we could have come together before, at least to get the Green Party to 5% in 2016, if we had some type of coalition, then maybe we could be a little bit further along. Um, I do, you know, I think mutual aid and direct action and stuff is great. Um, definitely doing what we can to help ourselves. But there's also things that are bigger than that that's going on i think we really need to come together to make some progress you know we could be looking at nuclear war climate change all of those types of things you know the economy it's just it's like i don't i don't know i, I kind of like ugh. <laughs> it's really depressing to me I hear you, Gloria. I think that, like, one of the things that was interesting to me is I'm just like, even if it wasn't this Peter Dow thing, people would have found something else, man. And I'll give you an example before. I warned you guys that some of the same people that were making fun of him choosing to run through the People's Party and said he should run Green Party. I said, watch. If he runs Green Party, if he changes his mind and runs Green Party, watch some of those same people are going to criticize him for running the Green Party. And lo and behold, what happened? Some of those same people said, oh, God, the Green Party. I mean, why isn't he running as a Democrat? These people are just unhappy people. They are never satisfied. There are always going to be those people that are going to find something to complain about. And this is why I'm trying to warn you guys. Yes, there are things in with, with Dr. West's campaign that I think he should sharpen up on. I disagree with him when it comes to the fascism thing about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I think they're both fascists, but we've already acknowledged that. We're not going to agree on everything. And you're not going to have a candidate that you agree with on everything. But you got to ask yourself, what are the most important issues? So, like, for example, when it comes to someone like RFK Jr., one of the most important issues to me is the issue of Israel and Palestine and the fight that's going on over there. So for me, it was a hard no. You didn't lost me, bruh. No, you know, whether he runs independent or not. So I think the thing is, is that there are people who do have hope, but there are also people who say they want like a third party fight and they want someone with a big name. 
Now that moment is here and some of those same people are still going to find ways to just be like Debbie Downers about it, regardless, regardless of what happens. Even if this Peter Dow situation didn't happen, motherfuckers would have found another thing to criticize and mainly because somebody told them to. And this is, it just, you know, it, it's really interesting to me. That's why I'm like, people do your own fucking research. One of the things that frustrated me about that interview with Jimmy and Cornell is that they did not talk about the policies and the platform. And that pissed me off because I'm like, why are they arguing over who's more fascist? Why are they was, arguing it was about the messaging? It was fucking messaging. Like it was, it yeah, was like, dumb like, shit. It's I'm dumb like, is this a shit. campaign interview? Or what the fuck is this? Why aren't you talking about what's on the platform? Why aren't we pulling up the website? Why aren't we talking about these things? And Jimmy, no, I don't agree with him on this. I was disappointed in both of them with that interview, but that, that was, that was ridiculous. That was like, why are we not talking about the policies? Yeah, I, I agree that it was really sad to see that. Cause, um, I don't know. I just, and then also with the interview, I was kind of annoyed cause I did feel like he kind of went harder on Marianne and Cornell West. And with RFK, it was like, well, I don't know enough about that topic to to go there. And I was like, really? <laughs> so I just, I don't know. It's, it was weird to me. I kind of felt like he was there to have kind of an argument with him. And I don't know, maybe Cornell was a little bit annoyed about his previous segments about him. I don't know. But it kind of, I don't know. I just felt it, the interview just didn't feel right or in good faith or anything. It so. It really was disenchanting, but you know, I find myself asking with respect to Dr. West, what is the benefit of mediating between who's worse when the reality is Joe Biden has a near 40 year career of just all kind of SHIT and that there is no way even possible. I mean, Donald Trump is a prescient threat, but they are equally despicable. And I think if he, if he would, you know, make that point more, they're equally bad for the um, Republic and we need to move in a different direction and zone in on the policies and focus on that. Compare what he is offering to what Donald Trump or Joe Biden has done or is proposing. And that's the way forward. So you can build that momentum. I just, this mediating back and forth between these two, to me, it's just like, what does that do? What does it do? But, you know, it is. Well, the other thing too, is that Dr. West is running against both. He's running against what would most likely be probably be Donald Trump. He's running against Joe Biden and presumably Donald Trump. He's not just running against Joe Biden. So why is the focus just on Joe Biden? Again, we got to get out of this mindset that someone is running through the Democratic primary. They're not. Yeah, and I don't understand all of the all of this hoopla on Biden anyway. It's like he's bad. Trump is bad. They're all bad bad like i don't understand why they're trying to use all these little things like the whole crystal and kyle thing um the labor board 
thing or whatever to say, oh, well, he's doing some things that seem good. So let's all jump on. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, no, he's terrible. They're both terrible. We don't need this lesser of two. E they're both evil. Like, can we not do this anymore? It's like we've done this so many times and it just feels like we're going around in circles and you know and not going anywhere at one point brie actually said this is devolving into a blue no matter who debate and it's true because i'm saying all i kept thinking was you know crystal and kyle are being so hyperbolic this is just there is just nothing to be jumping up and down and screaming about and here's the thing if you have to convince me that your policies are good then you have not done your job i should be jumping up and down telling you how wonderful your policies are because they have impacted my life in that way if you got to try and convince me that he's done this wonderful job then that tells me right off the bat he has not done a wonderful job Right. And notice they're not having this conversation with working class people either, because I'm telling you, I've been out in these streets and uh, the word on the street is not good. Not not when you talk to working class people. I'm not talking about people in the suburbs. I'm not talking about people that are the professors and shit at these elite institutions here. I'm talking about the working class people. Word on the street is not good. And so the thing is, is like to me. It's just, it's very obvious, the pivot. I told you guys, we talked about the, I think I, I posted it on Twitter when Kyle said, I didn't vote for Joe Biden. I couldn't vote for someone who supported the Iraq war. I couldn't vote for someone who, you know, all those dead Iraqi people. I just couldn't support that, but you can support it now. So what the fuck happened to Kyle? Money happened. That's what I'm trying to tell y'all. Money fucking happened. They both over a million subscribers now, like the money is coming in. And people should take a look at who is funding breaking points. Because Indy Left wrote a whole article about this where he dug into it. Like, who are, who are these investors? Who are these people that signed up for $1,500 a year lifetime, like, subscribe? Like, come on. These are people with money. People with money. And they got Ryan Grimm there, too. And he, that, and, and he tried to lie on me on Twitter. They got Ryan, Ryan Grimm in there, too. They got Ryan Grimm there because he has access to D.C. He is the D.C. Buru chief. For the intercept and the intercept was funded by fucking peter ottemeyer who's a fucking billionaire oh savvy that's a badge of honor i mean being smeared by ryan Grimm. <laughs> i mean that's when you know you've succeeded i mean that's that's you know i was really shocked too in the debate like i kind of thought i was from the school of thought that like kyle ruined crystal with his dead brain and that's sort of what happened like she was because her radars on rising were amazing um, and then I sort of, you could tell from that debate that like Kyle was way more open to third parties. He was like, I would be a green voter if I lived in the safe state, like forget safe, that safe states is like a democratic party concept to begin with. But like, you know, he was way more open to it. Whereas Crystal, she would, she would use all of these metaphors to be like, why would you like with the NLRB talk, like, why would you snuff that baby in the crib? Like, you know, talking about the labor movement. It was so extreme. Like, and she kept driving it home. Like, why would you kill the labor movement? Why would you snuff that? And you baby? know what? Like, it was nuts. What was so crazy is the unions. Yeah, that's a movement. But the percentage of the American workforce that's even in a it's labor a situation, it's, it's so much smaller now. 
It's the client. And also the thing that fucking gets me, I have to say this, like the NLRB ruling that Crystal was referencing, for those of you that don't fucking know, because she made it sound like the sky was like falling, reinventing itself for workers. Let me tell you what's really going on. So that ruling can mandate that, uh, you know, if your employer is even caught, which forget how hard that is to prove, um, you know, they would automatically recognize the union and order to bargain. Let me tell you why that's meaningless. They've been ordered to bargain with Amazon. They've been ordered to bargain with Starbucks. It's been three years. Do you know why they're not bargaining with them? Because it doesn't matter if you get a bargain or order. There's no civil penalties. Corporations can refuse to bargain with you, even after a bargaining order, and drag you in court for years and refuse to bargain any contract until what happens? People quit. People are fired. People give up. That's why the Amazon labor union doesn't have a contract yet. And it's you know years. Crystal knows. She knows that that ruling, there are no civil penalties. Let me repeat this. You can refuse a bargaining order if you're a corporation and there are no penalties for you. There is no enforcement mechanism. No, it's that's 100% true. And I think the thing is, like, she knows these things. She knows, again, she's doing the bidding of the Democratic Party. And that's what I want people to really understand is that this shit is all set in play. And I, I see I see it for what it is. And I don't know Crystal. I ain't got to know Crystal. But I know a couple of things. I know she ran for office under the Democratic Party. You got to remember, Crystal Ball was also once a candidate. She ran through the Democratic Party. A lot of people don't remember Democratic that. Democratic orbit, okay. tap dancing for the dollars, baby. Shake she your shit. Yeah, she had a pact through Reed Hoffman, which she still to this day have never answered to the claim that she pocketed PAC money. She still hasn't answered that. Oh, I, then Reed Hoffman yeah. also, apparently also according to Any Left article, also um is one of the funders for, for Breaking Point. So it's like, come on now. This is just—it's—it's it's very funds money obvious. The money against progressives, like he funds like centrist uh, packs. Mm -hmm. So he's not even—you see what I'm saying? Like they're putting players in both sides. And anything to keep the money coming in, because the thing is, they knew, like they like I felt like they were more radical when they were on rising. You know, when Crystal was saying, oh, you know, I I used to be like, basically, she was trying to address it in the Brie interview and like saying, you know, I used to have a mindset, but then I shifted how I cover things. Basically, she was suggesting because I don't want to lead people to vote for the other two options, uh, Republican or third party, because the Democrats are uh, better you know what I mean? And then she was calling Breeze on it, uh, coverage dishonest. She was saying, like, do you think you're presenting an inaccurate view because you don't jump up and down like Kyle to talk about labor issues? Y you know, she First was. First of all, Bree doesn't do news on, on bad, not on I mean, bad She things. does, bad she does on Rising, but like show. she, but she's way more accurate and honest in her coverage than Broken Points. Yeah. For sure. What I, what I think is dumb is that they're always like, well, if you're talking bad about the Democrats, then people are going to think the Republicans are good. And it's like, do you think we're stupid? Like, we know what the Republicans are about. 
you know, we know the, the stuff that they're up to. It's like they think that we're dumb and we have to get everything from them to tell us how to think or tell us what to do. Like we don't have eyes and ears and know what's going on and make up our own they have to uh, They have to <laughs> manipulate us, you know? They have to control what we think. There's something that I don't think people, um, I think people might have like slipped their mind or whatever the case is about um, one of the things why Crystal is the way she is now and she was something different on Rising. Um, just putting the money part aside, on Rising, she was a worker. On Breaking Point, she's a business owner. So a lot of times people's priorities change when they go from worker to owner. So that's just, you know, unless it's a co-op, but, you know, there's something to think about. I thought it was funny when Bree mentioned my name to Crystal and Kyle. That was funny. I said, oh, they don't like to hear that shit. <laughs> Ignore that right, right away. Like, they just scrolled right past. Also, isn't it amazing? Thank you so much. Every, by the way, I love like I, I know I hit it when like I get a clip featured on 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 your show, Sabi. Like, isn't it hilarious that Doctor West ghosted Broken Points? Like he's just, <laughs> isn't it amazing? Like he's been anywhere. Like he's been on podcasts with like nine subscribers, and he's just ghosting them. It's fucking amazing. If anything, that shows me he does have some good. Soccer on there. Any, listen, any, I said, any, listen, I said. I said neoliberal tears with the clip for the win, okay? Because I was like, neoliberal is fine in all these damn clips. I was like, damn. They were like, yeah, we've reached out for months. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe because Dr. West saw the shit that you guys were saying about him. Why should he be in a rush to come talk to you? They're in the queue. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, anything else, Gloria? <laughs> no, I just wanted to vent a little bit. I'm just hoping that we can, you know, make more progress or, you know, at least see some something in the in the near future, whatever that looks like. But thank you so much. Awesome. Let's go ahead and bring in um, Amanda. You are on the mic. We're cracking up tonight. What's up, Amanda? Just got to unmute. Amanda. Amanda. Hello, hello. Oh, hello. Hello. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. Um, I didn't mean to call in. This is the second time this has happened. I did not mean to press the call in button. I totally appreciate you doing these, though. So pardon my mistake in calling in. I really appreciate you, though. This is a great conversation. Okay, all right, no worries. Let's bring in Eric, who I think is actually a kid. What's up, a kid? Just got to Hey, hey, Savvy, how you doing? Hello, hey. how are you? Great show. I, I did want to, you know, just kind of looking at this Peter Dow guy, and I did go up and try to look him up uh, a couple hours ago when I first saw you on the show earlier today on YouTube. And uh, there was definitely some red flags uh, for this guy. And I I think I I think it was Deltia that 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 was saying, you know, there's definitely 
probably a very small pool of talent of experienced people that can do this type of job, right? Uh, so it's not like you have a, a, a great deal of people that know how to be campaign managers at this level. Uh, and so probably, you know, this is part of the reason why he was selected. Uh, the fact that there's not a lot of people to go to, but it is somewhat concerning that if we can see that this guy has red flags and that he would potentially pose some issues to people that support Cornell, you know, how do they think this through? How, how was he vetted, you know, to make sure that he's actually going to do the best that he should be doing for Cornell if indeed, uh, and I want you to think about, I think, I can't remember one of the other callers uh, mentioned that early on he had supported the Ukraine war. And this is a, a war that's happening real time, like it's right now, right? And we collectively, I would say the majority of your audience, Asabi, even myself, we never supported the war. We knew from the day that it started that it was wrong and it was pushed by NATO and the U.S. We knew that early on right from the even before it started so this guy didn't have didn't call that right and this is something that's happening right now and we can all see it how did he call that wrong and now he changed his mind to me that's a flag and and it's probably a flag of more things to come that he of call of calls that he would make that are more in line with the status quo than they are to help the everyday person that listens to your show that doesn't mean that he can't be a good manager. He potentially could be a good manager. If I think you were saying that he's been successful, uh, that someone said that he's, he is good, maybe he can be good. But I think it would be wise for him to come back and answer to some of these questions because we all have them. Uh, and if he doesn't answer them, there's going to be a, a sort of a – there could be a letdown of, of support for Cornell. I'm still going to support him. You know, I still think he's the best candidate. But still, I think it would be better, and there's still time, right? There's still time, but I still question why choose this guy if you're choosing him, why, you know? So we should hear about it uh, so that we, the, the people that do support Cornell, that are going to potentially going to go out there for him, canvas for Cornell, that we have that reassurance that, hey, here's why we got this guy. And then kind of lay it out for us, because then that would give it back to us to say, OK, they thought it through. You know, they got a strategy. They got a plan on how they're going to leverage this guy's experience to the benefit of the campaign overall. If he doesn't, then that's a strategic you know, mistake. If he doesn't come back and answer those questions that we have, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally understand. Um, again, like I, I think Jill Stein, you know, being the person to make the recommendation, I think that made a really big, and and to to be honest, in terms of performance, I will say, if Hillary Clinton would have listened, because the whole thing about Hillary Clinton choosing not to campaign in the Rust Belt, that was her decision. If she would have listened to her campaign manager, maybe she probably would have won. But no, she she didn't feel like no. Um, I don't really want. I don't need to do that. I don't need to go there. And even her husband told her, "No, that's that's a bad idea. You should go to the campaign. You should go to the Rust Belt." But just think yeah. about that. That could, that could have been the difference in her campaign. That's right. And I think you know sometimes, like today, listening to uh, 
Jimmy, I, I can't remember if it was Jimmy's show, if it was live or if it was one from yesterday. You know, they already have a clip out there calling out this guy that he's part of the establishment. Of course, so, Where, where's the, of course, where's the, where's the clips for RFK? Where's the clips calling out RFK and his Zionism? And so, I, see them motherfuckers yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, no, you're right about that, Savvy. But, you, you know, I don't know why Jimmy has this angst, this thing against Cornell. And, and clearly he doesn't have it for RFK. And RFK, you know, is completely worse. I mean, you know, Cornell's a hero to me and many other people. And these things that he, these things that he's, you know, these mistakes or whatever you we want to call them, they're small. They're things that he's learning as he goes. This is the first time he's running for for uh, for president. He's never done it before. He's learning on the fly. He doesn't have a big team behind him. We could see that. You could see that. And so Jimmy has to take all these. If I can take them into consideration and if I'm really a proponent of, of Cornell, then I would kind of like, hey. I'm not going to come out and talk bad about the guy if I'm really supporting him. I'm just not going to do that. And conversely, that's what he's done for RFK. That's what Jimmy's done. Because if Jimmy wanted to go after RFK, right, for Palestine in the way that, that he, he completely, he's a Zionist. But he has, Jimmy has never come after, after RFK. He's respected him. And, and still, I think, you know, Nico did an interview with uh, with Jimmy today. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but I saw the, the, the recorded clip from Nico. I got to watch that still. It, it, and it was like, you know, maybe 20 minutes, I think. But it was really good. You know, Nico, I was very impressed with Nico's uh, ability to kind of question. Well, maybe it was an hour. I, I only saw the short clip of it, uh, Savvy. But Nick, Nico did do a good job, you know, sort of framing and asking Jimmy questions around the interview that he had had and sort of, uh, you know, sharing with him, you know, what the, the viewers were saying, seeing how he came across negatively uh, towards uh, Cornell. Uh, now, Nico was supportive of, you know, agreeing with some of the things that Jimmy did point out that Cornell was sort of doing wrong. You know, so there was some of that, too. But I, I thought it was a good good interview of, of what had happened. But still, Jimmy, I think just sometimes I think he's just too forceful. And it comes across as if, though, he has something, you know, this angst, this thing against Cornell that almost feels condes condescending. Maybe he doesn't mean it, but it comes across that way. Uh, and, and you can see it in his body language where with RFK, and, and we, we talked about this before, uh, Savvy, he doesn't have that. You know? Let me let me just interrupt you for just a second. I'm trying to tell you guys it's personal. It definitely This is personal. This is personal. Do you guys remember when Jimmy said on his show that he had reached out to the West campaign and offered to help? Yeah. And he wasn't, you know, I guess there was no response or something like that. I don't I don't know all the details, but there was that. So there was that. Then also again, this connection to Nick Braun, and I've said this before, Nick Braun is toxic. People need to get the fuck away from him as far as possible, as they can be. Nick Braun has a tendency to fuck everything up. I'm not kidding. Oh, wow. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to run a campaign. He doesn't know how to push a candidate through. He didn't even know how to do the FEC paperwork. He even fucked up on that. Wow. So, like, it's just, again, we all got to remember originally nick brana asked jimmy to run remember like it was like hey you run through the people's party and even after it was said no 
Nick Bronner was on Twitter telling everybody, everybody message yes. stuff. Remember that? And tell her why Jimmy should run for president. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Hmm. Also, they had, um, here's the thing. I, I heard Jimmy's um, excuse about why he didn't go hard on RFK Jr., right? And he was saying, you know, like, I mean, everyone heard it. Well, you know, I don't have any energy into it, blah, 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 blah. I have energy for West, so that's why I was so passionate about it. But I didn't go in and RFK because I know he has no chance, so I'm not going to bother with it. Okay, but you had no problem going in on Marion Williamson, who has right. exactly. either. Exactly. Now, now he definitely has a bias against Cornell, even though he says he supports him. And, you know, so. And and check this out, Eric. Um, anybody, I, I I said this. I don't know if you were watching. JB show Sunday. So, no, no, you, you was a th- you was doing your thing. But um, I said to JB Sunday on the show, I said, that is abusive talk when you have this attitude of, you know, like, uh, hey, I'm, like, I'm bashing you over the head, but I, I'm doing it because I love you. I'm doing it because I want to do what's good for you. That's the reason why I go upside your head all the time. And you're not going to be anything without me. You know what I mean? Oh, good luck. You're not, you're going to lose because I'm not part of the campaign. That's abuser talk. Yeah. And, that, and it's yeah. hard uh, just to add to that, Roger. Like, oh. I think when some people get to a certain position or a level of power uh, or influence, like, it's hard to sort of bring up criticisms to them. Like, you know, people don't want to. Like, it's kind of, it's it's uncomfortable. Like, you kind of just want to get along, like, you know. So I'm just gonna, and I'm saying that as a nobody person, like, I would feel scared to say something to Jimmy, like, hey, that was kind of, you were kind of off a little there, you know, so like. So I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I'm just gonna say this. Who was at Force the Vote Town Hall that Jimmy hosted? Cornell West was there. Mm. Cornell West was there when it was not popular to be there at that point in time because they had made it very clear, at least on the other side of progressive media, that you should not uh, participate in this, right? Like, Cornell West was still there. Who was on the side of the Palestinian people when it before, before it was popular to say two-state solution is not a viable option? Dr. West was, and it cost him tenure at Harvard because he was on the right side. When you look back on Dr. West's work, he was on the right side when it was not popular to do so. And so my thing is, is this, like I said, this shit was personal. It was very obvious. I told you guys at the very beginning of the interview, I was like, the energy was already off. You could tell. And then there was another video that was made. I don't know if everyone saw this, but someone sent it to me. There was another video that was made saying what I meant or something. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I watched that video. And in the video, he said, I didn't even want to do the interview. I was going to cancel. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is similar to the same shit that Kyle Kalinske did last year, like a year ago, when he was called out for not like having an opinion or whatever in reference to TYT smear and Aaron Mate. You guys remember this? Remember yeah. that whole the whole debacle? Yeah, it had to do with Anna Kasparian saying nice new skirt and all that stuff. Yep, yep. And Kyle made that one, the first video, and then he got ratioed in the fucking comments. Then he came back and made another video where he was basically doubling down. 
and he lost like thousands of subscribers after that second fucking video so i'm like if why come out and make the second video if you feel like you're right why come out and do it people usually do that when there's a drop right or something like that but i mean the yeah. thing is, is like to me and, and someone said in the comments jimmy supports rfk jr because he got injured by the covid vaccine um i'm sorry what do you mean by support because weren't we all just saying that he supports third party see now people in the chat are saying he supports rfk jr so i just it look the thing is is this like i said this shit was personal there was personal stuff that happened before that interview and that's why you saw it play out the way that it did i do i do want to say this because i mean you know during nico's interview you know what Jimmy was saying, uh, but I'll, you know, let, let me go back before I say this. If Jimmy and I think I mentioned this on yesterday or the, the previous call in, if Jimmy and he's he's smart enough to know this, like he did it for RFK, he didn't have to come at Cornell this way if he really supports him. He doesn't have to do that, he could choose what he's going to ask him and he can maneuver through the interview and still get good content out of out of the interview and that will help right he could do that without having to antagonize cornell and create conflict he doesn't have to do that he could have chosen to take it another another route uh during nico's interview today with jimmy what jimmy was saying was that hey you know cornell doesn't have thick skin and and uh he should have been just you know kind of trying to garner uh the audience that jimmy has because you know he does have an audience and, and, and if Cornell's running, he's trying to get everybody's vote, which there's some truth to that. But still, you know, I think if Jimmy would have been wiser, he could have he could have uh, sort of shaped those questions in a different or he could have asked, like you were saying, uh, Savvy, early on. He could have went off uh, what, what Cornell has on his Web page of his agenda, his outline, uh, I guess, of his mission, what he's trying to accomplish. And. You know, that would have been better than going after and asking the stupid question of who's better or who's worse. And and mind you, Cornell does have to answer those questions in a better way. And and I think you, you, everybody's giving him some feedback, RBN and others, uh, you know, the way that he, he couches when he's talking about uh, uh, Biden versus Trump. Right. There's another way of doing that. And, and that should be addressed. But it should not be outed in an interview where you're fighting with the guests about that it it's just not worth it i think you know i, I think if, if if jimmy didn't have this personal thing he would have never went after him that way hold he just wouldn't hold on. rodrigo in the chat you're the one saying that jimmy Dore supports rfk none of us are saying this it's you jesus christ get out of the fucking like like honestly get away from the fucking personalities man like seriously the point that I was going to make is this. My whole thing is whether they agree or disagree on, on the policies, the principles or whatever. What I saw was two people that were very much friends in this space. Again, Cornel West was there for the force to vote town hall when other people decided not to be there because it wasn't approved by yeah. their quote unquote so-called progressive allies in this space where other some people chose not to be there because they didn't want to be ridiculed dr west was there and he's done that multiple times throughout his career 
This is not to say that he doesn't have flaws. This is not to say that there aren't things in his campaign that can be improved. I stand by that hundred percent. I told him so myself when he was on the show. Yeah. But I think the thing is that, that people have to understand communication is key and the style of communication that you use can either turn off people or it can bring people in. And one of the things that I learned, and I had to learn this myself, you have to sometimes tailor your style of communication to the person that you are speaking to. I had to do this often because I worked with students, right? So one of the things that I learned is that if I dealt with certain students that are a little bit more timid, I couldn't talk to them the way that I'm talking to you guys right now. If I had to talk to a faculty member, I would never speak to them the way that I speak to the students. You have to tailor it. The thing is the style of communication, and this goes both ways, but the style of communication that Jimmy has and that Cornell has, they're exact opposites. Jimmy has more of a brash style communication where it's just like, let me yell these things to get it through. And for, for some people on the other side, when you are communicating to them that way, some people will tune out or check out. So yeah. you can't talk to everybody that way. No, you can't. Same thing for, for Dr. West, like Dr. West academic, I worked with academics, so I know how they communicate. I had to say this for longest time when I worked in higher ed. If I ask you a question, can you please just get to the point? I would ask faculty a question. Okay, so we're gonna plan the event on Thursday. We're gonna use this space. Would you wanna arrive around five or around six? Well, actually in theory, no, 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 no. There is no in theory. This is a straightforward question. <laughs> and that is something that I, I did notice when I, I did like communicate with academics, like they didn't know how to just get straight to the point. Everybody ain't got time for no story, man. So oh. the, the communication on both sides, I think that in itself is a clash. But I think the difference before is that Dr. West wasn't running for, for a political office. This time around, he is running for a political office. So that being said, he's going to have to answer questions in a shorter time frame. Yes. I, I did want to bring something up, you know, that I thought about was, uh, you know, when Kashama Sawant talks about a strategy and uh, having tangible wins so that the movement that she's created in Seattle, that the people don't get deflated and that she was very tactical and strategic in her approach for anything that she was, you know, I guess, uh, leveraging the movement that she's uh, built up over there and that she always wanted to have success because success builds on success, but it also makes the people that are behind it to say, hey, yeah, you know, we put all this time into it and we're gonna get something out of it. And I really like the way that she's very pragmatic and very, you know, like common sense. Like, yeah, we need to make this work so that we can get more people and continue the movement. I almost think that, and I don't know if maybe Cornell is already talking to her, but I almost think that she need, he needs something along those lines of having that sort of strategy. Also because she's so strong-minded on workers' rights, people's rights, 
you know, the underprivileged, the poor, the common everyday American person, just everyday person. And, and I think it would be advantageous if he did or if he's not, that he should be having brainstorming strategic sessions with someone like her. I mean, it should be her. Uh, and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to let other people talk, but Savvy, that is something that I think should be happening if it's not already happening. Awesome. Sounds good. Let's bring in Beyond, and then we're going to pivot to the case study QB. What's up, Beyond? Go ahead and unmute. Beyond. That dog is so cute. I know it's a cute dog. Beyond might be um, asleep now. Okay, let's go to case study QB. Case, what's up? Just got to unmute. Yeah, yeah. What's up, oh, no. people? Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Oh. Yeah, but Beyond came in. I'm sorry, Case. Oh, oh, no. he's... Keep it waiting. Oh, what's up, Beyond? Oh, thank you. Um. So, a couple things. It is. I'm. I'm kind of sharing the sentiment that it is kind of heartbreaking seeing all this division among people who ostensibly want the same policies or similar policies, and to wars, healthcare, etc. Um, you touched on something earlier about uh, the way you talk to people. I concur. Being right does not always equal being effective. Um, We have a lot of people that are willing to talk about each other instead of talk to each other. Again, that we're supposedly all wanting the same or similar things. Um, As far as like the fascist conversation, I feel like that word and many others, like the name calling, it, it just becomes so stale and meaningless after a while. And it, again, like talks about the person, which has been brought up many times in this conversation. It focuses on the person instead of the policy. So that whole idea of like, we need to name this person as a fascist or that, I just think it's unproductive. and. I think when we attack other people, it makes it easier for them to attack us as, as a person instead of the idea. You know, it's like that, that quote about, you know, talking about people versus talking about the ideas. Um, and, and just like, there's a lot of quickness to be adversarial. And I think some of that comes from Jerry Springer and has just been going on ever since because it creates clicks. You know, people want to be outraged. We want to be angry and it, and it drives clicks. I mean, title after title on YouTube is so-and-so destroys so-and-so, so-and-so humiliated by so-and-so. It's just this, it's this culture of, of, of outrage that, there doesn't seem to be anybody, any leader, any media leader, because that's what you guys are. You, Kyle, Jimmy, Crystal, all of you guys, you have followers. That makes you leaders. Like nobody 
wants to turn down the temperature and it's it's just getting more and more heated and it and like you said it turns people off like when we attack trump or biden and we label them as a thing when their supporters hear it they take that as an attack on them too right so we have to be careful about like what we say and i don't think there's anything wrong with that like there's nothing wrong with thinking before you speak about even if what i say is right or true is it going to be effective at winning over someone who's on the fence when i was um in i worked in a union for a long time and and there was something we needed to make happen and i was talking to one of our union reps and he's like well if you want to make it happen here's what you do you make your list and you get the people who are already agree with you you get them in a column and then you get the people who are in the middle and then you get the people who are against and you start with the ones that are on your side and then you find out who has the relationships to reach the people in the middle and then maybe some of the people in the middle can reach some of the people on the on the opposite side that's basically what we did it was a small thing but that's the kind of principle and there's a lot of like preaching to the choir going on people just speaking directly to the people that already agree with them and bitching about the people that don't agree with them and i just think it's counterproductive like i can't get you know i have conservative family members and it's hard to get them to listen to a lot of people on the left because there's just so much like outrage and vitriol and there's like i just don't want to hear it right like we need to bring in more reasonable conversation like calm reasonable thoughtful points that can win people over instead of just make them want to plug their ears i don't know that's just beyond, my thought beyond so again i have to say this they are not leaders the people like i said i say it all the time the people on your electronic display screen are not your leaders the leaders are in the mirror okay they what they're doing is trying to you know like do the news get the word out or whatever the case is you have to stop looking to people on the electronic display screen on youtube as your leaders leaders are in the mirror you feel what i'm saying and until we start putting action to words i don't know if you live in a citizen ballot initiative state or not but you if you do i would suggest say hey look let's see what we can do you know get get your conservative family members together and so on and so forth whatever the case is put an initiative out there to see if you could pass his law but better amend your state constitution if you have the ability to to do that I don't, I don't know what state you live in or whatever the case is um but i want to give some good news uh sabrina so so this person right uh they're a little bit too shy to step up to the mic so that so i guess they want me to to say it for them um so whoever yeah, that's you. Um, when we was on uh, JB's show, when he was doing his show Sunday or whatever, he said he wants to start a citizen ballot initiative as an amendment in California. I think he said to outlaw private equity from owning housing. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, 
but he just said it again in the chat. But he's not stepping up to the mic, so you know. So I'm I'm trying to communicate for him as as as, as much as I can. But yay! So so who so whoever whoever you are whoever, everybody here will get behind you if you want to. You know what I'm saying? If you want to really put 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 some foot to butt and actually say like, boom, I'm gonna do this. We're gonna do this. Everybody here will get behind you. This is where the power, the energy, and so on and so forth needs to be at. So, you know. Oh, he said yeah. it is and to outlaw they... private equity for, uh, uh, from ownership of medical facilities. That's okay. So, that's what he's trying to push. If you see it in the chat right there. So, do it as an amendment. Don't do it as a law. Do it as an amendment. Because if you do it as a law, then the government can come in and repeal it or um, weaken it without yes. having to ask you, unlike they would have to ask you if you pushed it as an amendment. Yes, and one thing I, I do wanna add, just FYI, is um, to Beyond's point and to what Roger just said, um, I can't speak for everybody else, but I do cover other topics, particularly I'm the only one covering ballot initiatives. I've been doing this for months. The problem is, and I also cover community organizing, all these things are on my homepage and my channel. The problem is the algorithm doesn't push those things out. People don't come come over for those things. I still cover them, but again, you're less likely to see Boston community organizing with us on the ground on your homepage of YouTube, and you're more likely to see something else, if, if that makes sense. So just... Just an I just an FYI beyond that, like if you go on my homepage, I have different categories, but all those things are there. There's a whole section of ballot initiatives for each state that tells you how it was done and what they accomplished. The problem is, like I said, people don't come over for those. People don't click on that stuff. People don't click on the community organizing events that we do for the most part. People don't click on and there's a whole section of on the ground activism that I have on the homepage. Most people don't come over for those things with the exception of the Rage Against the War Machine rally. Most people come over for the news. But um, but to your point, that says something about the algorithm, which is a big part of the problem. The reason why some people use destroys or humiliates is because that actually works for the algorithm. And it sucks that you have to do that. But Otherwise, it's like it won't even be seen. But I hear where you're coming from. Go ahead, Noel. And I wanted to respond to Beyond. I understand the communication um, model that you articulated about using one to reach the one who is further from the um, centerpiece of the communication. But I also say to you, it flies in the face of the entirety of the Trump campaign. Trump spoke to people like trash. He talked trash. He incited people to wickedness. And and he, you know, won the presidency. He has this strong tie, this strong grip on these people. So I'm saying, yes, there is a space for reaching people. But that it says something about this nation that that man could speak the way he did and the way he continues to. And these people just cling to him and this and that. And it even holds to this point. 
And then the other point I want to make is if you are a host, as Jimmy Dore was, you have a different level of responsibility for how you handle your guest when you bring them in for an interview. And, you know, you can ask tough questions. There's a way to do it. But Jimmy Dore was disrespectful to that man. Cornell West, yes, he is professorial. He's an academician. And sometimes his responses are too long-winded and roundabout. But he is not a nasty person. He is not disrespectful. And I think in these situations, when you look at that interview, he was clearly put on defense. And you can see, you could see the smirk on Jimmy Dore's face and the way he just talked over him at times and was so cavalier. That was disrespectful. But to a point Roger made, Jimmy Dore is in the ownership class with respect to that podcast. And he has a base that he is playing to. And so he knows that he can talk to Cornell West and uh, Marianne Williamson in a certain way, but he understands how to speak in a different way because he did not handle RFK Jr. in that way. So he can moderate between these things. But um, I hear your point and there is something, you know, I appreciate it, but American politics is a whole different can of worms. Thank you so much for that. Well, I just want to add in here and then I'll go to Edu. Um, one thing I was going to add, there were a couple of people that did reach out to me who don't want to be named, um, but they did reach out and they are, they're very upset. They're, they're very upset by that interview and they don't want to be named. Like they don't want to say anything in public or the media themselves because they're afraid that if they do so, that they'll be canceled because they have criticism for Jimmy. And to that, I gotta say, what are we doing? What 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 is happening in this? Space? What are we doing? Like what what is seriously? What are we doing? Because the thing is, is like no one's above criticism. I get criticized often, and in fact, if you look at like the RBM members, I'm usually the one getting attacked because I'm the female. And it happened when it was, there were other females a part of this group as well. The females, the women were the ones that were usually attacked. And so I'm just going to say the fact that people feel that they can't even criticize a certain person because they're going to get canceled. What are we doing? Seriously. Okay, go ahead, Edu, and uh, I'll bring in um, Roger. Are you hearing me well? Sorry, I can't. Go ahead. I can hear you. Okay, okay, great. Hi, thank you for having me um, participate. Um, so two things. One on the whole Jimmy Dore thing. I think it's very weird. There are a lot of things I think we don't know that are, as you said, personal. Like the fact that, like, you know, the people now he's surrounding himself with is not the same people that like he used to kind of like hang out before from Placon and you know all of these people. I think there must be something there, and I don't think it's it's necessarily relevant to our discussion. But I think it really had an impact 
in uh, in the way he conducted in Cornell West interview because if you've seen this sort of like uh, sort of Twitter uh, feud of like Craig Pasta posting a lot of like uh, miscellaneous tweets that Cornell West posted like many years ago and stuff like that. So that's kind of that's that's a little bit like tough in my opinion because you know people like Craig Pasta is like who was he five years ago like nobody knew him at least I didn't know him so. That that to me is a little soft that like this person is somehow like having a little bit more like say in terms of depicting Cornell West characters. Um, um, that that's just one point. And then the, the next one is a question I have for you. Actually, it's a rather personal. Like you may answer it in all if you feel like. Um, but um, you know, since you know we're seeing a new friction here among like you know this sort of initiative for like launching a progressive movement, um, a real progressive movement. I was wondering whether um, you see yourself personally, or at least RBN, sort of like trying to bridge the gap, um, you know, in sort of this um, field that are starting to surface. Um, just because, you know, you sort of like, you have been to Jimmy's show, you sort of like, you know, he reached out to RBN, um, after the interview, I don't know if he wanted to like look for some validation from some um, from black activists. I don't know if that was his intention, but you know, I'm trying to look at it from my good faith perspective. Maybe like you know, he was trying to double check whether he you know went overhead or not. But I don't know. But I'm um, I'm just wondering whether like or you see yourself like playing a role, or do you feel like everyone is like grown up? enough and then that they should arrive at whatever conclusion they arrive and then that's it. I think everyone is an adult <laughs> and I personally don't listen I tried to do the whole mediation thing one time before no 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 <laughs> no 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 I think everyone's an adult and I think people have to work out things on their own um, am I getting in the middle of let's try to mediate things between people. I, again, I have tried to do that one time before and it didn't go well. People end up getting mad at you for even trying to have the discussion if things don't go well. If things go well, people will be like, yeah, great job. If things don't go well, they'd be like, why'd you do this? Is this, this is all your fault? Why you did it? Yeah, so I don't, nah, bro. Let's go ahead, Roger, and I'll go to Kate. No, this is quick. Um, I just want to address uh, Kraus Smith. You can register online. We we um, passed in 2019 the ability to register to vote or change your party, whatever the case, online. So you don't even have to go to, I don't know, Bethpage or, you know, uh, Garden City or, you know, whatever the case is. That's it. Base. Let's bring in Case. Much love to everybody in the chat. How you doing? And on on that last note, Sabrina, I commend you for trying to um, mediate. And uh, hopefully I, I saw what uh, Nico was trying to do. He kind of did it in two separate um, shows, which was, I think, a creative way to do it. And then he said, I think he, I forgot who he was talking. I think he was talking to Jimmy when he said, hopefully that um, they can do it again. They can talk again together in the future. But, um, I, I wrote down a couple of points I want to make real quick. One about um, Peter Dow. I don't know much about him. I know about his history, but I'm hoping that 
if he is experienced, um, we will see the fruit of it because as of right now, RFK does it. I mean, not RFK. Uh, Carnal West does a great job of going on different podcasts, but I'm, I'm really I'm waiting to see that next step. Like, when are we going to do rallies? When are we going to get volunteers? So, for example, when Carnell West, um, I forgot if it was between when he was at Movement for the People's Party or Green Party, I, I remember people saying like, hey, I signed up to volunteer and nobody got back to me. So if Peter Dow is now the campaign manager and I'm going to give him some time, let's say a couple of weeks go by and now I hear volunteers are saying, hey, yeah, we're getting organized. They're reaching back to us. We're finally getting some things together. Or, hey, there's a rally coming up. Or, hey, you know, once I, if I see movement, then we know that Cornell West and Jill Stein made the right move by putting him in charge. But if, if we don't see any fruit of him being the campaign manager, then we know that it wasn't um, it wasn't any good. Um, the, the next thing I want well, to Yeah, go ahead. Um, can I just add really quick? Sure. I, spoke, I spoke to uh, some of the volunteers. There is a Discord group already set up for the volunteers, so FYI. Okay. Okay, so um, what I mean by that uh, is, like, I guess if somebody went to his site and signed up, like, they weren't getting response. But you know what? I, I got to follow up with that person. I'm curious if maybe at this point, because that was a while ago. That was month, maybe two months ago that maybe they got back to him by now. So, yeah, thank you for clearing that up. Um, the other thing is the duopoly. Like, I wish um, we should start framing it as a toxic relationship. Like, I think people can understand that if you're in a relationship with a, whether you're in a woman or with a man, and let's say um, they say, oh, don't hang out with your family. Like, you find that they're telling you not to hang out with your own family. They're trying to prevent you. Almost like that, um, what's that Tyler Perry movie called with the diary of a mad black woman where the husband, like, made her stop hanging out with her own family like people understand what a toxic relationship is and the lesser of two evils is by definition that's a toxic choice and so the choice between the duopoly the, a democrat and republican um is especially at the national level between the biden and um donald trump that's just a toxic choice and i, I like how Bree said it with her um analogy that you know nina turner made it famous with the um feces and then she said feces or vomit like nobody wants to even entertain that choice period so i, I know i'm moving forward i want to just um say that, that that's a toxic relationship to have to choose between lesser two evils and the last thing i'm going to say um sabrina i saw that you were in a chat for cj show and i was really proud that cj reached out to me to try to create this new show um, I, I won't be able to attend all the time because I could barely do my own show, but he um, came up with that political spectrum with people on different sides of the spectrum. And one of the things out of this Jimmy Dore, um, Cornell West, this uh, discord is how can we come together? And I think that was a great show that people can kind of hash out their different um, priorities or their different, in his case, it was the different candidates who, who people had Marianne Williamson. We had, um, RFK, we had Cornell West, it had people undecided, and, and I thought it was a very good show for, to show how leftists can come together and have a civil conversation. And then, like, the next day or two, this Peter Dow thing just blew up, and CJ was like, I'm out. I was like, oh, man, we might need to have a whole show just on Peter Dow. But what did you think about that show, Sabrina? I, I really liked the panel. I thought it was, like, a great job, and it was great to hear, like, 
different opinions and things like that. So I, I loved it. I, I thought it went mm-hmm. well. Um, and I thought like you guys did have a general like consensus there, like to be honest. But I think one of the things that was said by um, uh, Chuck, Chuck Modi, mm-hmm. he was saying that, um, you know, like we all got to find some way to come together, but they, we have to establish boundaries and we have to figure out what those boundaries are and what lines cannot be crossed, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's important and that's important for any organization or any coalition. And I think what has happened, um, particularly when I look back at some of the, the rallies, like some of the, the organization efforts, I think that people are just, a lot of people are just desperate for a space. They're desperate for a place like to belong. And mm-hmm. it is almost come across to the point where it seems like there have been some boundaries that have been crossed that have made people uncomfortable. And some people mm-hmm. have been very vocal about these things. And I think that some people's hurt, some people's feelings have been hurt uh, because of it. And there haven't been apologies. And so yeah. for, for, for some, they feel as though, you know what, we can't, I can't move forward with you. Uh, because of some of the things that have happened and you're not willing to acknowledge. So I think that with any coalition or any organization, there need to be boundaries that are established. And I think, I think with Cornell West, like when he talked, when he does talk about things like white supremacy and stuff like that, he's letting you know, that's a boundary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's, He's letting you know. Like, no, we're not going to have racism up in here. We're not going to have sexism up in here. That's a boundary. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that as identity politics. That's not even the definition of identity politics. The definition of identity politics is when someone uses their identity in efforts to get elected. Cornel West is not doing that. Problem is people have taken that term and they've used it to apply to anything that makes them feel uncomfortable. They take that term and apply it to race. Don't talk about race. Don't talk about sexuality. Don't talk about this. One of the things I taught the students is that you should be able, when you graduate and you go to work, you get a job from here, you should be able to bring your full self to work. If you are telling people they can't talk about race, they can't talk about sexuality, they can't be this, then those people can't bring their full self, which means they have to hide a part of their self. Meanwhile, some of the people that have the, the racist language or the bigotry, they don't have to hide who they are. So we need to really ask ourselves, what are we trying to coalesce around? And no, mm-hmm. that's not identity politics. That's making sure that people can bring their full self, but also that other people will be respected. And I think that is very important. We cannot just disrespect people just because. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. I think I read a book called um, Trotsky in New York, and it's about Trotsky's his time spent in New York. And one of the things that stuck in my mind was all the different versions of socialists that they were back in those days. There were Trotskyites, there were Leninists, there were Stalinites. There were so many different versions, and they used to come together and gather and have big debates. And I don't know how many times it. It, like ended up in fist fisticuffs or whatever, but I want to see it, uh, uh, just what CJ did, where we can be on different spectrums of the left, come together, discuss our differences, and then civilly, civilly, um, 
come to whether we agree to disagree or whether I can bring somebody to my side of the opinion or vice versa, we should be able to have these discussions without being disrespectful. And I'm looking forward to us um, getting to that level. The last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to pass it back to the next person, is while I was watching your show tonight, um, I saw uh, the, the clip that you were talking about classes made me think of a, a clip that I clipped just today with um, Art Laffer was on Fox uh, Business. And you, you were talking about how the, the rich, you know, they need the workers, right? He was on Fox Business and here's the quote, um, is in my timeline. The rich aren't just rich. These are the most productive, most high performing developers and incentivizers and creators ever in the world. So, you know, they just spout in their propaganda and I put uh tax the rich uh, in a hashtag along with this clip. I- I'll DM it to you. But uh, it, it, when you was having your show, it reminded me of um, of that clip. And I was like how they just try to propagandize the super wealthy as people that we absolutely need them when we know they are always laying us off when they need they, they blame inflation on. The workers having too much money, their wages going up too much. So now they say, oh, we got to increase the inflation so that um, I mean, increase interest rates so that we could get a lot of people to lose their jobs. So they are not. the. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you, you talk about that. Uh, the, the thing on, on, on the, that was going around on uh, Twitter, that that guy at the World Economic Forum. No, no. Um, I'll, I'll DM you the, the clip that I was talking about. But um, I saw, I saw a guy talking saying that, you know, he was just like, "Oh, we're gonna have to, uh, you know, like it's it's getting too much, and yeah. you know, we're gonna have to uh, do some do something about this, and you know, so on and so forth." Nah. Uh, I forgot I forgot uh, what it was though, but yeah, you want to? Uh, we could probably speak to West himself. Um, case I think he's coming to that climate week thing. On the seventeenth, oh. yeah. 20th. Keep me posted if he's going to be in the area. I have to see if I, I'm available. But let me know. Thank well, you, he, Sabi. I just DM'd it to you, Roger. I'm going to DM you the clip that I was talking about. But uh, much love to you. Much love to the chat as usual. And um, I'll let the next person go. He he made it no secret. Oh, sorry. Great, great, great. So that's another thing that um, apparently Dr. West is going to be at. So that's important for people to know as well. Um, beyond, if you're finished, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Kirby, and I am going to be wrapping up soon. Could I address two things? Is that right? Go ahead. Um, something that Noel said about Trump and his when we were talking about his rhetoric. Um, I don't discount uh, the effect of his delivery upon a certain percentage of the American voters. That being said, my mother is conservative Christian. And I was surprised when she told me that had Bernie gotten the nomination, she would have voted for him. And there was a certain faction of the American voters that it was more a vote against Hillary than it was for Trump. And I think if his rhetoric was so effective, he would have gotten reelected. But there was, again, a large faction of anti-Trump voting going on um so i just think 
like like we're not the only ones that are just like fed up with the duopoly um and then to the other point about the leadership i understand what you're saying about you know i am the leader and i don't disagree with that at the same time you know commentators are basically like preachers they're not just they're not just giving straight news facts they're giving their opinions and they are preaching to their congregations about you know their opinions about what's happening and de facto that is a leadership role whether they want to admit it or not it just is when you have a bunch of people listening to you and wanting to hear what you have to say you are in a leadership role um so anyway those are just the two points i'll pass with that thank you Sabrina, I got the, uh, I got the thing. Can you hear? Oh, I can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, we we have people decided they didn't really want to work so much anymore through COVID, and that has had a massive issue on productivity. You know, tradies have definitely pulled back on productivity. You know, they they have been paid paid a lot to do not too much in the last few years. And we need to see that change. We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment has to jump 40, 50%, in my view. We need to see pain in the economy. We need to remind people that they work for the employer, not the other way around. I mean, there is a, there's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them, um, as opposed to the other way around. So it's a dynamic that has to change. We've got to kill that attitude, and that has to come through hurting the economy, which is what the whole global, you know, the, the world is trying to do, the governments around the world are trying to increase unemployment to get that to some sort of normality. And we're seeing it. I think every employer now is seeing it. I mean, there is definitely massive layoffs going off. People might not be talking about it, but people are definitely laying people off and we're starting to see less arrogance in the employment market. And that has to continue because that will cascade across the cost balance. Worker co-ops is the only way. Well said. Kirby, what's up? Hey, um, I just have a couple quick things to say because I know it's very late. Um, the Cornell West uh, Jimmy Dore conversation for me, I will use uh, uh, Dr. West's own metaphor. It was a jazz session that was discordant, nothing more. There may be more other jazz sessions that are better. Um, I wanted to give you an anecdote. Uh, that happened to me recently. My best friend just became a grandfather of a biracial baby. I had I mentioned to him that Dr. West was running for president, so he looked up Dr. West's policies on his website, and his first reaction was, "Well, I don't know about reparations." And I he said I said, "Well, um, that's one of his policies." I said, "Reparations should be talked about." He said, well, I think there's too many people who don't have houses and jobs right now for us to worry about reparations. And I said, well, 40% of the people who need homes and jobs are black people. So it is uh, somehow connected with reparations that you think they need uh, homes and jobs. And uh, he his next reaction was, well, I guess we can talk about it then. And I think that's where we have to go with everybody. This guy, I'm sure, 
voted for Trump twice. I, I don't really ask my friends who they vote for. I just want you to vote because I believe 90% of people voted. They'd listen to more of us. It wouldn't matter if you voted for Donald Duck. Um, and in fact, more people voted for Donald Duck in Florida the year that Hillary lost Florida than the difference between Hillary and Trump. <laughs> uh, and that's the truth. Um, so I'm saying um, we should talk to everyone we know about all these policies and may be surprised by their reactions. Um, and if you talk to them reasonably, uh, you may bring them along. Now, there's one thing I wanted to ask you. Did I hear you correctly le- earlier tonight that someone figured out there was $46 trillion o- owed in reparations? Was that the figure, $46 trillion? That might have been, Noel, was that you? There are different numbers that have been floated around, but it is easily in the trillions of dollars. Oh, yes, but it, that $46 trillion is more than the entire wealth of the world right now. But see, here's the thing. It depends upon how you come to the number. Um, some people go with the 40 acres and a mule and then um, use interest rates and bring that forward. Some people take that and then add the impact of, you know, the Jim Crow, Jane Crow lynching and being framed out. The whole economic disadvantage that the generations in between the emancipation have suffered. So they come up with these different numbers. But the reality is I don't get caught up as much on the numbers as I do on the idea that a debt is owed. We can always work out the mathematics right. of it. But right. the issue is, and it's a justice issue. Absolutely. It's not simply because, oh, black people are unhoused or black people are this and that. And and just like you said, Kirby, your friend, their first response was, I don't know about reparations. And I'm saying, well, why is that? Of all the things that are there, why is that <laughs> always the point of divide Right off the bat, because it's the knee jerk thing, and but we I'm have saying, to. Why is that knee jerk? Why is that a knee jerk issue if it's not because of race? Oh, it's definitely because of race. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not arguing any of that. I'm yeah. saying we have to get past their knee jerks and not get irritated and uh, stopped by that knee jerk. We have to find a way to get them to relax that knee. And to think a little bit. But and I think, I, sorry, I think you ahead. demonstrated the point that the last caller made in terms of a communications paradigm. You are a stens- you're a white person, right? Yes. So you're a white person, you're familiar with the issue, you have access to other white people that I don't. You can reach them in ways that right. I can't. So when when we talk about you know, reparations. I know there is a segment of white America that I cannot reach because I can't reach beyond my race in terms of them responding to the fact that I'm black. But you, who I am able to be in communication with, you in turn understand the issue in a way and you can relate it to them through your communication style that you have that I don't. And I think that's where we need the real allies and it, it doesn't just um, 
relate to reparations, but across a lot of these issues, we need the people who have proximity to some of the other people to speak to them because it's a bridge too far for others of us. Absolutely. And, and I think that's a responsible for all of us. This goes to that leadership issue that was just discussed. Sure, anybody who uh, a bunch of people listen to can be considered a leader, but every person listening has some responsibility as a leader when they interact with the larger public. And especially since I feel part of the issue with the bad feeling that people are going through now, I mean, people have to go through changes. They have to go through their own time. It's like Dr. West may learn what Jimmy was trying to teach him. And maybe Jimmy will learn that he's a little angry at himself that he's not running for president himself. Okay. You, you he, think that's the case, Kirby? I do believe that's some of that. I believe he he talks about young a great deal. So I think that shadow that he talks about a lot is now rearing up for himself because he views Dr. West as more of a hero than himself because he's willing to take on uh, this kind of move, which we all know is going to be very hard on Dr. West over the next year or so. And um, uh, Jimmy knows that he's not, he's just not up to it. But Jimmy does have a style of communication that I think Dr. West could learn from. Garland Nixon's response to this whole thing I found very enlightening. And um, Nico House was great today and so forth. And now I'm going to get off because it's so late. And I have to go to bed. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. When you talk to people about uh, reparations, let them know it's not race-based. It's lineage-based. Yes, that's very important. Well, you mean, you mean, in other words, people have come here since uh, uh, the Civil War. Is that what you're talking about? That it's based. It's based on those who came here by force, right? Not who came here by choice, right? I don't know that you know. I have you know actually used that, but I will remember to bring that up. But, but will, that's what it's based on, because people are uh, of course it is. thinking people are uh, yeah. here thinking that, oh, every black person's going to get it. No, it's it's not. It's based on those black people who came here by force. That's well, why we generally speak of the descendants of American slavery. I yep. see. Well, and I will admit my family history on both sides of my family, there were slave owners and uh, as a personal struggle in my own life, because, of course, those people were touted to me as a child as being something wonderful. So I've searched that family history to find people who didn't own slaves to think well of. Okay, and um, and the irony of that is one of my ancestors, I, I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the founder of Chattanooga was a guy named John Ross. He was one quarter Indian. Cherokee. He, had, he was a congressman. And when uh, the Trail of Tears was enacted, he moved out with the rest of the tribe uh, to Oklahoma But he and fought for the North, but he owned slaves there. So the history of this country is so complex that uh, there's got a lot to be a lot of discussion about it. And that's one of the big nuts to crack is to get people to wake up, to be willing to talk about it because a great deal 
of the hesitancy to do anything in this country is they won't talk about the real problems. And good night to everybody. Thank you so much. Let's go ahead and bring in Tracy. Then we'll go to uh, Brent and I'll bring in Tanya Hanna. What's going on, Tracy? You just have to click the unmute button if you're still there. Not, I understand. I understand, Tracy. I understand. All right, well, wait for Tracy. We'll go to Brent. What's up, Brent? You just got to unmute. Hi, Sabby. Hey, what's going on? So um, I've been listening to the discussion and um, I feel like it's very tough for people to speak their minds because they're afraid. Like, I remember there was a discussion on here about reparations. Um, I believe there was a caller named Brady. He expressed an opinion about reparations that I disagreed with. And because I, growing up in Southern California, I have, as a non-Black person, I have, I have no idea what the struggles of a Black person, what they go through. But I, just seeing from my own eyes, the level of racism, implicit and explicit, that the that the black community experiences, I feel like reparations is sh- should be meant like there'll be never enough to compensate for the past history, and even to this day, I see it, people, black people, being discriminated on a daily basis. I see it in the supermarket. I see it on the street. People, uh, every time a black person dares to play loud music. People, they, they give a loud reaction, but when I play loud music, they don't care. Like, it's those type of things. And I feel like people, reparations is necessary. But I feel like Brady expressed an opinion that's maybe not quite what the, the opinion that I have. But I feel like people on this on this channel and other channels have, they went after him very aggressively. And I feel like maybe that's why people are, they get hesitant when they have an opinion that goes against the norm. And I know that maybe there's a nuance as to why Brady got a lot of criticism from people in social media, but I feel like that's why people are are kind of scared. And that's why now like going into Jimmy, it's very t- difficult because they don't want to face the, the backlash that's that's just my opinion on regarding why people don't want to speak up against Jimmy because I like Jimmy. He's very um I'm a huge fan of his and I'm his, probably one of his biggest supporters, but I feel like he's he's trying to cater to a certain base and RFK Jr. he tried to suck up to him for access to him. And I feel like his he read cuz Jimmy's reading the room and um he was reading what his base wants and i feel like the his his base wants uh likes rfk jr's covid policy so he he panders to that and i found out very cowardly so i just want to say everything all at once because i know it's very late so <laughs> thank you brent yeah like there there was like there's racist comments in the chat man yeah it's um yeah even you say like a, a an opinion that goes against the norm and even on this channel I like I say my opinion about Russia and Ukraine people they cuss me out on on your on this very Colin I won't say names but I, if he's listening he knows who he is um 
and that's fine. And I, 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 I'm, I go on this channel to speak my mind because, and I'm prepared for that, but maybe some people, they're not so, they're not so willing to do that. So they have to hide under an, an anonymous name or tell the, tell you not to say anything because they're scared. I don't think anyone comes on here and calls you out of your name because of your race. Right. No, it's because of the opinion. Not because of race. No, 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 no. Just yeah. I, I think there's a difference. Tracy? No? Okay, Tracy might have fallen asleep. Let's go to Tanya. <laughs> Tanya Harding Watch Energy. Stick. You're on the mic. Watch the stick. <laughs> What's up, Tanya Harding Energy? I'm sorry. That shit's hilarious. It, this Hello? is just so bizarre. Yeah, it is funny because... <clears throat> Tonya Harding energy represents like what I consider to be, you know, synthetic progressive master blocking, everybody canceling each other, doing all the gatekeeping thing it makes it incredibly difficult for me to have conversations with guys like Case the other night, couldn't even talk to him, which is unfortunate because I have three solutions to all the nihilism surrounding Dr. West that I think could actually get him elected the whole way to the presidency. And um, I'm going to give you an example of how you don't need to be like some Harvard graduate to be a campaign strategist. It could just be a regular stoner dude like me or Jimmy Dore, you know, for that manager, for that matter. I don't see why he doesn't invite Jimmy Dore to just help him with this campaign strategy. You know what I mean? I think Jimmy would he has followers. You know, um, like. So, again, I think there's definitely a difference between like platforms there and strategy like Cornell oh, West yeah. is not going to. He's not going to tell the black community that he's not going to, you know, talk about race and just focus on class. Cornell West is he wrote a book called Race Matters. So I, I don't think that that would work out too well. Oh, yeah. But go. Ahead. No, that was not one of my strategies. Don't worry. That was just an idea. But um, one of the strategies I think that would actually work really well would be a school tour, a digital school school tour where he can go on like call in or Zoom or Facebook Messenger or whatever. They can put Dr. West on a projector in a school. And then at that moment, you have the entire digital <clears throat> landscape covered, as well as on the ground organization happening at the school level with these students. And Dr. West could potentially hit 100 schools in one day if he had the energy for it, doing like a 30 minute session or whatever. Maybe not 100 schools a day. I mean, give the guy a break. But um, if Those you're doing school digital school tours, go into disarray. Huge. Excellent. Let him let him deal with it. It can be mitigated and we can deal with that when it happens and we can make them better as time goes on. But the second idea, uh, second strategy would be for Dr. West to examine Whitney Webb's uh, new book that she wrote about the Jeffrey Epstein network and how it intimately and objectively ties both Joe Biden and Donald Trump to this network in ways that they can't escape, run away or wiggle away from. And um, there is a uh, CIA operator of uh, covert like operations and uh, Marine Corps intelligence guy named Robert David Steele, who said the exact same thing that I'm saying is if you focus on this human trafficking network, it actually pulls at the Achilles heel of the military industrial complex because human trafficking follows war everywhere it goes. It's, a, it's one of the currencies of war is human trafficking. And so uh, there's a, a lot to be 
uncovered there. And if Donald, uh, if Dr. West would just um, pull at that thread, that would be enough for him to steal votes from both um, Donald Trump and Joe Biden at the same time, very easily. I mean, the information's out there. People are just not aware of the fact that Roy Cohn was the Democratic kingmaker, uh, mob boss lawyer in, I believe it was New York back in the day, who made Donald Trump who he was. And Roy Cohn was also a pedophile rapist who was yes. raping underage boys. Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover back in the day. And not a lot of, not a lot of Donald worshipers know that. And I so knew, if we could, just I go- knew that I knew that because I saw the documentary about it on, I want to say that was, I can't remember if that was Amazon prime or it was one of those streaming channels, but I saw the documentary. Netflix. What was the name of it? Uh, Savvy. Uh, Savvy. Could be who is Roy Cohn or show me Roy Cohn, give me Roy Cohn, something like that. Yeah, it was something. Name- it was something like that, and it it showed like this guy like got um Donald Trump out of legal issues before. That's why I said when Donald Trump was hit with all these indictments, I said don't be surprised if he gets the best team of lawyers to get him out of it because, like I said before, like he had this happen, but not not to this extent. But he's faced legal troubles before, and that guy, that Roy Cohen, that um, uh, Brady's referring to, I know it's you, Brady, that Brady's referring to, <laughs> that um, that guy got him out of it, and that guy was connected to the mob. That's how he got out of paying like the real estate taxes. On if you're in New York, you know, and- like watching Donald Trump come up through the '80s and the '90s, and dealing with like buildings and stuff like that you you know that he was hooked up with the mob in somehow in some way because of you know the unions used to be in control of like the the I'm mean, the unions the uh, mob used to be in control of the unions and the pension funds and all that different type of stuff and nothing was moving with 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 building something unless you had to go through them so there there was, there was always something with 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 Donald, you know, especially back in the '80s, you know, dealing with that, you know. And so, what I need to know is that Doctor West knows that. I need to know that Doctor West knows these things too, and that he's ready to pull them out and talk about it and talk to the students about it. And you know, and anytime someone mentions Donald Trump, he can bring up this information. Someone wants to bring up grooming, you know, children. They can bring up the fact that his, Donald Trump's first wife was grooming 12-year-old girls for grooming parties with Jeffrey Epstein. I heard, I heard about like- that. I don't have proof, but I, I heard about that as well. Whitney Webb, like, I was going to, someone, oh, I meant to tell you guys, someone sent me Whitney Webb's contact. I meant to tell you guys. But then I saw on Twitter, did uh, apparently Whitney Webb's, uh, uh, I think it's her son, is has been in the hospital for quite some time. Uh, based on her her Twitter post, so apparently she said like we're in the ICU with my son still, so I don't want to contact her while she's dealing with that. But I I meant to tell you Brady about that. Like I, I don't think her her son is doing. Well, I'm sending vibes to her and her whole family right now, and I can serve as a proxy for Whitney Webb because I got her book. I'm reading it. Like <laughs> I can answer questions on her behalf. We could tie the strings if we need to. But the last point that I was going to say that could really help the last strategy I think that would help Dr. West win this thing, regardless of anything 
is if he would just exemplify leadership and pass the joint to the people. And by that, I mean kind of like adopting the policies that I have highlighted in my uh, platform that I wrote, which is basically democratizing yourself and saying, like, if we have a difficult situation that I'm going to hold a vote right then and there where potentially everyone in the world could vote and influence my decision. And we'll have multiple votes. You know, we'll, we'll experiment with democracy to where we'll have a digital platform using blockchain technology where everyone can experiment with donation-based voting, ranked choice voting, all kinds of different styles and help him make decisions based on the actual will of the people at any given moment and have that communication with the public, like take questions, you know, like I think it's really cool that Dr. West agreed to take questions from the public on call-in. Um, if we can get him to some kind of public platform, then inevitably he would end up answering the Jeffrey Epstein question at some point. And that could be the spark that triggers his election the whole way through. Cause you remember how popular the Jeffrey Epstein memes were at the time. And just consider that the government has an entire wing of the military devoted to making memes online. And so if we could take the success of the Jeffrey Epstein meme and transfer that to Dr. West, we could really have something going on there. And I, like I said, when it comes to passing the joint to the people, I think that Dr. West needs to hire young people to his cabinet, surround himself with young, capable people progressives, <laughs> not people like this, this skeptical guy, you know, that that's kind of a, what I was talking about. But um, if he would, yeah, just pass some of that power and make himself available to the public, that would be huge for him. Just continue to, like I said, do a digital school school tour and uh, very possible for him to win. So I think uh, he could defeat nihilism. I think that nihilism is also not helpful for democracy at all. Uh, what I see instead of nihilism is a solution. Um, so if anyone has, you know, any kind of solutions, that's what we need right now. Uh, we don't need people complaining about what's wrong. We know things wrong. We need we need uh, creative new solutions, which is exactly what I'm offering in counter to. I hate to. I'm gonna pass the joint after this. But Donald Trump just mentioned the other day. This is another thing uh, that his COVID policy changed. Donald Trump is overtly and without question against mandates or forced vaccinations in the form of denying federal aid to anyone who does either of those things. And what I would offer for Dr. West is to respond to that by saying, rather than, with, rather than withholding federal aid from these places that need it in a time of need, what we will do is take that federal aid and uh, put it towards novel methods and appropriate protocols to properly treat the situation instead of leaving it up to pharmaceutical insiders to, you know, make their friends rich. But there's, there, there's legitimate protocols. There's legitimate technologies we can be doing. We could be doing things very differently with COVID things like high, uh, high spectrum ultraviolet light, a lot of different things. Um, I can go, I can give a whole Ted talk about it, but you know, uh, if Dr. West would offer a novel uh, protocol for COVID instead of withholding federal funding, that would also be huge. And then if he would come forward and say that he as well is not going to mandate vaccines or lockdowns for this, that or at least uh, make a protocol for when we are going to lock down or mandate vaccines. We should have a protocol for how deadly something needs to be before we start doing something like that. 
we need to establish that protocol. So I think if Dr. West were to do that, that would be huge. He'd have the whole thing in the bag at that point. I'm going to pass the joint. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to bring in Chris really quick. I got about uh, 10 minutes left. Chris, what's up? Go ahead and unmute. Is that a squirrel? It, what is it's that? a wombat. Whoa. Well, that is different. I don't think I've seen that profile picture on here yet. What's up, Chris? Not much. How you doing, Savvy? And everybody doing else. Good. I just I wanted to toss in just a few just a few points, basic just some basic points. One, especially with the the Peter Dow saga, as I'll call it, is that I mean I am going to say I'm a little upset about it, but at the same time I'm not really upset because I honestly want to see this play out. I actually because like I said the previous call, and I want Doctor West to, to to do the right thing at the end of the day. And I think he's doing the right thing. I think he knows what he's doing when it comes to basically all this stuff. I mean, the guy's been around forever in some way, but the other point I'm going to also really just harp on more than anything is that when you do think about just like just everything where we're at at this point, we just, we have to ask ourselves the question. We, we are, are we doing the right thing when it comes to like, everything that we're speaking out against. I think we're doing tremendously compared to everything else out there when it comes to speaking out against just all this nonsense that's on the, on our computer or we see this stuff on the outside and our workplace and everything. I think we're all carrying a moral profound thing at the end of the day, a, a moral profound message because the, I'm just going to share a very quick story, but a couple like yesterday or a couple days ago back on nine 11, just, it, it couldn't help give me some very depressing memories back with my uncle because my uncle about 20 something years ago worked in lower Manhattan near the world trade center buildings. And of course you have the typical neoliberals and shit lives all over Twitter and everything trying to compare this thing to January 6th. And if anything, it really upset me seeing that from some of these people where they're trying to say that, Oh, this is January 6th is 20 times worse. And it's like, I almost lost my uncle, you son of a gun. And I don't even know how these people can even think this with a straight face. And if anything, it's just, it, it took it as really offensive and disgusting. And if anything, just more back to Dr. West as a whole, I honestly think he is running a moral campaign. And I think this is, it's a moral campaign on truth and justice. Like he said in the Jimmy interview, I sincerely believe he is doing that. And I think he knows what he's doing when it comes to that. And I think that he doesn't have to change his message that much. He, to me, I think he just needs to pound the morality because I think that's something he can do because he's an educated black man. He knows what he's doing when it comes to speaking about the marginalized communities that exist throughout our country. And if anything, just the one thing I love about him more than anything is the only person out there that actually calls out NATO because I – think that is the greatest thing in the world. I think that's something that needs to be brought up every second of the, every second of the day, because that's just, that's pretty much our whole, our entire world out there. Really is the best on the issues. I mean, I don't think, and, and for people who care about mandates, he's also against mandates, even though that's, that gets clouded up. But I mean, you're right. I mean, and to take an anti-NATO position for him to, I mean, he's a CNN regular. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such kryptonite. But I think we're going to look back at history. Hopefully not. If hopefully there is never going to be a nuclear war. <laughs> but I mean, but you know what I mean? Like, that's the position when you look back in retrospect, you think, God, that's courageous. 
It's because you have to you have to literally go back at least sixty years to people like Senator Robert Taft, where he said, "I don't even want to join NATO." <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was years ago. I, I wish they could have really focused on that. That is one of the big highlights of his campaign. I Didn't Jimmy kind of say too, like? I agree with you on all the policies. I agree with you on everything. It's just the messaging. It's weird that the messaging was such a deal breaker for Jimmy. It's, it's, it's like, weird that the policies weren't shown. And it's just, that's, that's, and I would say this to anyone interviewing candidates, you got to show the policies. If you guys notice when I interviewed Dr. Shiva, notice I didn't pull up his website. You know why? Because I ain't see no damn policies. Like that's why oh, that's that's why it. I didn't bring him up. And I, she was hysterical. Did you know he was also selling like copies of like like framed copies of like his patent for the email? I mean, he's hilarious. Oh my god! It just gets such a kick out of the just the because like that interview though. It's like the one thing that you could have really harped on if you really want to get, this is me talking from an ex conservative point of view, but if you really want to get the conservatives in your pocket, I mean, really in your pocket, you have to bring on the, the fact of what Joe Biden has done when it comes to the promulgation of war in Ukraine. And then we have sitting U S senators basically endorsing nuclear threats to Russia in the form of basically sending cluster arms munitions and all this other stuff. And it's like, let's talk about the the real serious issue. This is war we're talking about. We're talking about marginalized communities that could end up going to war to serve the elites. And this is one of the most disgusting things that we can, that they could really harp on. And I can think, I can just honestly say, Dr. West would actually say it probably in those exact words. But that's all yeah, I got. I think that very good, Chris. I, yeah, I think that um, there are so many other things that could be focused on that weren't focused on. But again, like I said, I think it was personal. It was very obvious when the other video was made where it said, I didn't even want to do the interview. Like, it's just it, it was he doubled down. He doubled yeah, down was, is what he did. Yeah, that 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 was bad. That was just really bad. But I do have to get going. And I just want to say thank you to all you guys. Um hanging out. Actually, I'm going to be recording tomorrow. I'm recording an interview on the Glenn Lowry show. So I'm going on his show tomorrow and I have an appointment in the morning. So I'm going to head out, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. Take care. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Everyone. Bye. Good night.